Ladies and gentlemen, what's good, y'all? It's Chris, Gary, and Andrew Benjamin, and you're tuned in to another special edition of the We Are Rising podcast. You can check us out on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and when we get our stuff updated, our YouTube channel as well, and hopefully soon you can listen to us on all your favorite podcast providers or places of choice. But we'll mention all that stuff at the end of the program. I mean, for tonight, for today, or wherever you're listening to this, whatever time you're listening to this on, as we all know, it's the holiday season, and both Bellator and the Rising Fighting Federation have made it their mission to end not only the 2019 fight year, but the 20-teens in Japanese and Asian MMA off with a bang. They have started, actually, the first of these two events that will take place, Bellator Japan or Bellator 237, which will take place from the world-famous Saitama Super Arena in Saitama City, Saitama Prefecture, Japan, on December 28th, there in the land of the rising sun. And who better to join us on this particular edition of the We Are Rising podcast than somebody who's known a lot about Bellator so much to the point where he actually wrote articles about this stuff. Introducing all the way from the Twitter sphere, the one and only Teep to the Junk. How are you, sir? Oh, man, I'm real good. How are you guys doing? I, great, um, and also just wanted to say the the mod and creator of the r slash uh, Bellator MMA uh, subreddit. Uh, no, no, hold on, hold on a second. It's Bellator Nation. Bellator Nation, that's it. Bellator MMA. Bellator. Yeah, I created our Bellator Nation. Um, it's not super busy, but the, if you want to find out, like if you just want an overview of everything that's going on, including beef and weird moments, all kinds of stuff. Check it out. You know, it's like a supplemental subreddit to the main MMA subreddit, which is epic and has is sort of a catch-all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If so, if you are a Bellator fan or Ryzen fan, and you're tired of R slash MMA's stupidity, I guess you could say, it's a good place to go to talk uh, to talk about uh, the uh, those two promotions. In addition to the R slash Ryzen FF. Uh, Ryzen FF. Uh, subreddit. Ryzen FF, uh, as well as our Discord as well. Ryzen uh, FF fans. And uh, yeah, so those are, those are many good resources to talk about. Uh, and Bellator or Ryzen. But uh, we ha- are talking about a very important card coming up. It is going to be the last Bellator show of the year. And it is going to be... Not to mention the last Bellator show of the 20 teens. Ah, yes, yes. go Yeah. And what better way to end uh, a year and a decade as a, as a continuing MMA promotion than in Japan at the famous Saitama Super Arena. And uh, we got quite a card. It's an interesting card in terms of what's been booked and the rule set. And also just how the card is going to be uh, aired. Because uh, we have we have a main card 
And then we have post-limb fights, not prelims as far as I know. As of now, there are no prelims that, that have been mentioned. That could change on the day of, the day before, where they maybe take some of the post-limb fights, put them on the, uh, before the main card. But as of now, we just have a main card and post-limbs. And yeah, my, my understanding is because, because it's going to be a Paramount broadcast, so it's timed for the American audience. So they'll, they basically, I think they're just going to do hopefully an opening ceremony and then just tr truck straight on into the main card and everything else happens afterwards because the timing of when the event is in Japan. Yes. You know, they got Fedor and Rampage headliners, so they want, you know, it should be full early. Going straight into the main card should actually work for them there. It should be full early. No one wants to miss this mess. So you're happy that there's, there's at this point there's no prelims so far. Uh, you, like, you like that uh, that approach, Teep? I'm going to watch it start to finish regardless, but I do, I do like that they're going to get straight into the meat and potatoes, as it were. Mm -hmm. You know, just straight, in, I guess MVP uh, versus Anzai might be first. I mean, all, all six main card fights are fantastic. So whatever they do, we win. And it goes straight into the into the good stuff. And then the, the post-limbs are badass, too. It's, it's actually a pretty badass card, you know? Yeah, also, I just want to say as well, is right now, we don't know the lineup of the card, like, in terms of how the... We obviously know what the main event's going to be. It's going to be Fedor versus Rampage. That's what's going to, what it's going to be. But in terms of the other fights, we just right now have an idea from from Tapology, Wikipedia, other sources of how which fights will go first, uh, last, or, or second to last, all that stuff. So, but as of now, the one thing that could be confirmed uh, will will be the main event, uh, Fedor versus Rampage. But at you know on the day of they could and this has happened before they could just switch up a bunch of fights you know someone gets injured you know MVP gets injured or you know somebody else gets injured they might just put another a pre post limb on the main card so you know don't hold us don't hold us uh, accountable in case that this card changes up at the last minute uh, it is MMA after all and things happen uh, it's strange like that. Um, mm -hmm. In other words, cards subject to change, and yeah. with the fact oh. that this event is going to be taking place in, as of the time we're recording, is less than two weeks' time, shit can happen in those two weeks that we might not know about. So, uh, I want to get also to keep your thoughts. So, this Ryzen card, or sorry, Bellator card, was originally... They uh, Scott Coker, I think, announced a they were going to be doing a, sh a Japan show. I think as early as the MSG show this year. I think that's when he first mentioned that. I believe, um, and there was talks about you know who they're going to have fight. You know, uh, what the fight card may be. Would it be a, a just a Ryzen versus Bellator show? It's this show is kind of, is kind of a Bellator show with a little bit of Ryzen versus Bellator in it. And I just want to get your thoughts. Is this is this card? Are you happy with the overall matches that they've put on the card? Was there something that maybe you would want to see on the card or a different matchup? Anything that you want to say about this card before we get into it in depth? <coughs> when they announced it, a lot of their roster called to be on the card. Like a lot of guys wanted to be go fight in Japan. It's an honor, you know. So they wanted to do it, and uh, I was hoping they'd get Dave Rickles 
on the card because he does the walkouts and he's sort of like he knows Yankee Sudo is the premier showman we've had in combat sports at least you know like outside of boxing maybe but um other than that I'm absolutely thrilled with this card shove an MVP on there you know whatever a week ago two weeks ago is just a cherry on top I mean I absolutely love the matchups although if you know if I were in charge everything would be rise and rules but that's just me Mm-hmm. You know, I love some Bellator, but I'm like, if you know, if you're gonna say, hey, you want to see these guys fight, would you want to see these guys fight where with you know whole fight judging and stops and soccer kicks and all knees and all up kicks? Well, I mean, and a stalling provision. I'm like, I'm gonna go with that. That's actually but that's okay. Yeah. That's, I just want to bring that up, bring that up as well. And I did get into a little back and forth with uh, Zach at Bad Moon Rising about this. So the main card. Is going to be Bellator of Unified Rules, uh, dictated by the um, was it the uh, which commission is it? The Association of Boxing Commissions, according to the Mohican Tribe of Athletics. And it's going to be in a cage. And then the post limbs, as of now, are supposed to be Rising Rules, but in a cage. And uh, to get it all more confusing, there's going to be a kickboxing match as well. And so yeah, so I'm a. I'm, I kind of I was on the side of you know what it's Bellator show let them run the show how they feel like they want to run the show so I have no problem with with a Bellator show being in Japan and they just made all the fights unify rules because they're the ones who are deciding you know they're they're the they're the ones that are deciding to have the fights you know they get to make the rules to a degree um, but I also you know I do understand why people would love to see you know, rising rules, people with uh, kicking each other and all that stuff. But, you know, Bellator has, they have, you know, UFC doesn't change their rules when they go to Japan. They still uh, buy by unified rules. We got, you know, promotions like Pancras and and, uh, that, and Shuto that still go by, uh, that go by unified rules at this point, I believe, and use a cage, uh, one, like to make up the rules as they go along. So I I don't have a really a problem. Are you happy with the rules with the way that Bellator has approached this by making their main card their own rules, but then the post limbs is kind of like Bellator, but we're going to put rising rules. Or do you think they should have just stuck to one thing throughout this entire main uh, throughout this entire card? Uh, I I see it like variety is the spice of life, and it's been very interesting. And at this point, Bellator is so built up. You know, about like six years into, <laughs> excuse me, whether however many years they are now into the into the temple era. Was it November fourteen? So we're ways into the temple era, and, and everything is so tasty right now. I'm just enjoying the ride. So this whole thing was a pleasant surprise. You know, going to Japan, great. You know, Fedor is going to have his last Japanese performance. Fantastic. He's going, and then you know, it's like who does he fight? And it turns out it's Rampage. I mean. It's all a dream come true, and I think with the rules, I didn't expect them to not use unified rules. I just and, and I was talking to Zach. Shout out to Zach at Bad Moon Rising. Uh, I was talking to him, and, and he was saying they could do it, and I was like, no, nah, they can't really, you know, because it comes down Mohican Sun, Mike Mazzulli. It's like they're they're sanctioning, and he's saying, but they could, and then they did. So I'm I'm fucking thrilled. Mm. But you know, the, any any fight, even if it was just one fight, but you know, there's a chance. Maybe they do. Maybe they have a ring in there too, like uh, the first Dynamite show Bellator did. Dynamite won. They had the ring and the cage. Who knows? All I know is there. It says rising rules, and if nothing changes, 
the action, you know, it's the dynamic striking action is what I'm looking for. Ring or cage, I'm I'm cool with that. It's more like um, I kind of like I like soccer kicks. I like stomps. I like fighters having an incentive to knock each other down because when you knock someone down, you don't have to stop. You just punt them right in the face if you want to, or the back of the head. You know, like it, it's it's like sort of like sets the curve to a finish is a lot. It's a lot more of a slalom. Once you get going toward a finish, it's a lot easier to finish under those rules. So mm-hmm. I'm grateful for any. How do you guys feel about it? Yeah, Christian, what do you think? Uh, when it comes down to what I think about this, it's kind of like a mixed bag because when it comes to the televised main card, you know what you're going to expect out of the rise, I mean, out of the Bellator rule set, the unified rule set, because it's what Bellator fights under all the time. It's what they've been doing for the last decade as a promotion, dating back to the tournament format when they started. But when it comes to the post-limb card and almost all the fights on it being under rising rules, it's kind of crazy because you really don't know what to expect because I just hope that they don't manage to mess things up with the post-limbs, whereas all the fights are going to be in the Bellator cage unless... They lift the damn cage up and put the ropes up and say, ha-ha, we tricked you all. But still, it's crazy that this main card is only going to get highlighted, whereas this post-limb card, which is full of badass fights, it's not really getting talked about, and it might get relegated to the app, to the Bellator app. I think that's the plan at this point. It's, yeah, it's going to be on the Bellator app. Unless we hear otherwise, I mean... I've heard nothing about Fight TV having it. I've heard nothing about the Zone having it. I would guess that if it's on the Bellator app, maybe the Zone would have it. Maybe, maybe they'll even show it on YouTube. They'll do. It'll, it'll be like that. Uh, but yeah, I. I mean, the worst that the worst obviously that could happen is if this if the postums don't make tape. They just they, yeah. they just it's just for the live crowd. Um, I think that. No, I think that's very. I think that's very unlikely. Someone's gonna get it. Some somehow. Someone's gonna, or a tape delay, or if it's on like a tape delay, like the remember the uh, first Ryzen show that happened, it was a I think it was like a one or two week delay, and then they aired it in like in clip well, format. Actually, the Ryzen, the first two Ryzen shows, they were shown on same day delay, and oh. the only way we could have watched it live was through a Russian stream because they only gave a damn about Fedor. Wasn't no, but I think they aired it on uh, Spike TV at the time uh, in in a truncated format, I believe. The yeah, Fedor, they do. Fedor was, was delayed, though. It wasn't live. They did it the next morning or something. Gotcha, gotcha. U.S. time. And it, I don't even I don't even remember if I watched the... I managed to watch the... I managed to see it before the Breakfast with Fedor thing, but I forget the details of <clears throat> how it all went down. Were, when it came down to that particular event, I mean, especially the truncated version... They shown the Grand Prix Final, which was the main event for the rest of the world, first, which was King Mo versus Yuri Prohaska 1. And then they shown the Fedor Jaidi Park Singh fight, which was the co-main event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they switched them around for TV so they could call it Breakfast with Fedor. Like, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. 
But back in the days when uh when uh you had the we had to like scour the, the dark web for uh Ryzen shows before they got on uh what was it uh side games and then uh fights. The good old well, days. Well, actually, they got on. Sports stream, They right? first got on Eversport, and then they got on Fight. Ah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, we're, totally spo- we're totally spoiled, though, guys. Like, for content, fans today are suspicious because we are all so, so spoiled as far as how many fights, the level of fight, the quality of fights, the level of production. Never been like this. Not, not as long as I've. You know, been a fan, and before before I was a fan, it, it from what I'm looking back, it wasn't definitely wasn't better than it is now. Like no chance as far as getting access to fights. So with well, the Bellator, with the occasional tape delay and all that stuff, or having to jump around on devices, I roll with it, man. I, I'm just so happy as happening. I would say though, sometimes right. too much choice can be bad because if you have if you have ten choices, you might you might just say, you know what, it's too much. I'm gonna choose zero. Sometimes people are like that. Sometimes. That sometimes it's not good to have yeah, too many choices. Yeah, some people there might be a diminishing return where they're like, "Now I'm blown, now I'm burnt out on it." I don't because I, I still limit what I watch, but now I have now I can limit it to like the parts that make me feel really good. Like I didn't watch the UFC card last night. I kind of just follow the thing and people put up highlights, but I didn't watch the card. But uh, I've seen all the Bellator shows this year and seen all the prelims, seen the Rising shows, and then just an ass ton of boxing. But you know, like. Classic boxing and then the stuff that's on the zone. They've had a lot of great fights on, on the zone. That's that's kind of enough for me. I don't. I, I barely follow the UFC. Obviously, there's good talent there, but it's it's just not fun. It's just fucking annoying to me now. Mm-hmm. It's been so many years, well, and they they're so slow to change their production. And you know, it's it's also always, it's almost like a kick in the nuts too, because they used to have the ultimate rules. Mm-hmm. You know, bare knuckle just fucked the guy up. You know, like kind of like the only time it was like past. Other than Valley Tour, you know, past like Pride and Rising, so I would probably make so the argument that I'm just like, oh man, you're you're living off the glory days before you guys own this motherfucker. That's, I, I guess that's how it makes. I it think some of the supplemental cool. content on the UFC Fight Pass, or not the UFC Fight, yeah, UFC Fight Pass can be sometimes better than some of the UFC shows. Like Quintet Ultra is like when I when you tell me that they're going to be doing like a, a an eight an eight man. Or no, uh, for uh, four, 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 you know that fourteen grappling fight with people like Sakuraba, Gilbert Burns, uh, Gilbert Melendez, and uh, Hector Lombard, and uh, Gordon Ryan versus Alexi Olyanek. It's like, oh my god! Like that is to me is more brilliant booking than some of these matchmakers for some of these promotions. Sometimes like UFC uh, does, uh, where you're just like, what? Why would you make that fight? It's just sometimes not something. Sorry, sorry, go ahead, Teep. Oh, no, go ahead, finish your thought, bro. I was just going to say, yeah, so sometimes, like, I think I think probably the quintet stuff and uh, some Mission Underground and the grappling stuff is much more interesting than some of the MMA shows on the UFC Fight Pass. I heard good things. I mean, Fight Pass is an awesome fucking resource for fans because it, it it's like pick and choose, and that's all I'm doing. I, the UFC kind of annoys me, and there's, like, the whole, like, the way they market you know, the way they attack all of their rivals in the market. I I never liked that. So now there's enough other shit for me to watch. I just watch that. But as far as Fight Pass, they got a lot of good content on there. Just always trying to build something like that themselves. It is that extra material for the zone? Because really, boxing, you know, they got Canelo, Triple G. They just signed, um, uh, who was it? They just got Garcia. Like, just announced it. 
And uh, we got Josh What's that? Basically, they just signed King Rod, Ryan Garcia. It's one of the Garcias. There's a few that are badass. Hmm. Maybe it was Leonard. I don't, think, I don't think this blunt is letting me remember right now. <laughs> but uh, but kind of like Bellator hat, like the way the, U, the UFC is the you know the premier brand, obviously, and then Fight Pass is like here's a bunch of other stuff, you know. Even though the UFC stuff is now on a different platform, you know what I mean. That's like their bonus material, kind of. Well, the zone got match from boxing, got AJ, they got the man, and then Bellator is kind of like their bonus material, except it's like higher price than what the UFC has shown out to these other companies. But it's like a similar thing. But I, you know, for me, the zone is an incredible deal. Like, you know, boxing fans alone are probably pretty damn happy with what they get. But I get all that boxing bonus for me. They had me at Bellator. They was that was it. And all the other stuff, FNG, KSW, EFC, that's just like extra, you know. But um, let me ask you guys. You both have fight pass. What's your favorite? I mean, maybe yours is Quintet Andrew, but what's your guys' favorite material on there? I don't have it. I'm just curious. Well, to be honest, I don't have fight pass either because I'm not used to paying for my stuff. I'm normally a uh, guy who watches stuff either on YouTube, Facebook, or the Fight TV app. Well, my, I don't have, I used to have Fight Pass, but my, my issue is I'm getting just like burnt out with all these monthly subscription things. I have Netflix, I have Amazon Prime, I have New Japan World, uh, I have, I have a, a, a bunch of other um, uh, subscription services as well that I can't think of. But I'm I'm kind of just getting burned out from just having you know you have to watch you know, this thing and subscribe for a month or three week trial or subscribe for a year or something and it's you know, it's it's getting to the point where like I'm just tired you know when Quint you know it, uh, I know with Quintet you know I wait till somebody uploads them on YouTube or just if a friend is watching something I'll maybe go to to his house. But it's just yeah, yeah, that's that's the reason why I don't I don't subscribe to UFC Fight Pass. It's not so it's not content or anything. It's just more like I'm just tired of just all I think these. They keep on LFA. That was that's a good move. Yeah, listen, I'll say this: if if if, if they gave if they had an opportunity to have you know buy individual shows, I would absolutely say you know what? I'll buy this LFA show. I'll buy this. Uh, the, uh, this uh, quintet show. I'll buy this. I'll buy that. I'll do. I'll buy shows individually. That's why I like Fight TV because I don't have to pay for anything uh, monthly. So it's just it's just it's just much easier because then I don't have to worry about another subscription service to that I have to cancel or just just you know is taking money from me when I'm not even using it. Yeah, I feel you there because I don't I don't got a lot of money to splash around on MMA and um, I can't always even afford to go to the. So like Mohegan Sun shows and stuff like that, you know. I can't like when they do a doubleheader weekend. I kind of have to pick one. Yeah. Well, I pick use, one of the two events. You as, know? But uh, as, I'll pay for the zone because it's good value, and I buy the. I support Ryzen through the Fight app, and that's it. Yeah, that's all I can. You can pick and choose your shows. The shows that you don't that you don't think looks good. You could be like, eh, I'll 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 sit out this one. Maybe I'll I'll get the next show. It's just you know, when you also have a subscription service, you feel so obligated to to keep up with all of the content and it becomes less about enjoying it kind of like okay to get my money's worth i gotta watch 
LFA. I gotta watch Quintet. I gotta watch Submission Underground. I gotta watch uh, Fight Night Two, whatever or something. So, yeah, right. and yeah, you know, yeah, we only have so much hard, time. It's hard. So Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say we only have so much time in the world, and if you know, one month you may have no time to do anything, and suddenly you just wasted nine ninety nine or whatever it is for um for for the whatever subscription service that you have. And then suddenly, you know, next month, oh, suddenly you have a, you have a, a, a you have some free time, but you all the stuff that you want to see, you know, uh, you know, the other thing as well is like, especially with, with shows with companies like Netflix, who all that stuff, you don't know how long that stuff's going to be on. I know that UFC is a little bit different, but you know what? If the, you know if the contract of glory runs out and the month in the show that you want to see uh, is on your backlog, heck, you may not be able to see it because they might take it off the fight pass. So. Yeah, I'm also. It's also that's a problem I have with digital subscription services is that they don't allow uh, customers to have full autonomy over what they want to see or when they want to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're trying to figure. They're trying to figure. I think BT Sport or um, in in the UK they just for this for last night's pay per view. I think it might have been they uh, or maybe the next one they they doing a monthly option so mm-hmm. people don't have to have like contracts just to get the one thing you know like that find it these companies are still navigating the balance between like what they offer but also how they ask people to get it like yeah. i just buy the bullet i just buy the zone because belter shows every month of the year so like that's all i'm worried about that's my concern okay. everything else is bonus but i do it i do find myself like boxing i get more into fights that are going to be on the zone because it's not costing me money i'm not buying a pay-per-view like the what was it wasn't wild ortiz on pay-per-view Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, yep. fuck that shit. It's a, um, you know, I'll watch the highlight. I mean, people, YouTube is very good in the days following any fight that's halfway big. But uh, even just highlights, I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pay that. I'm not gonna pay three or four months worth of the zone for one fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, there could be nothing. Sure, who's gonna win? No way. Basically, T, in a way, let's just think about this. Back in. I mean, back around the turn of the century, the one place that you would hope to watch a big fight the week after it airs would be HBO, because they would uh, they would basically have all the big fights that you know had like a Roy Jones Jr. or Felix Tito Trinidad on pay per view, and then the following week on like Boxing After Dark or something, they would show it in its entirety in a rebroadcast. Nowadays, even one year after HBO boxing has died, thanks to Game of Thrones, <laughs> bastards. But well, still, YouTube model now is you get to watch fights either like the week after or even hours after they've taken place. Yeah, I have no complaints about finding fights. It's easy, but... I try not to get anything for free as far as, like, someone who's pirating it. Yeah. I just, you know, that I've skipped some good fights that I knew would be good fights because I'm like, well, I'm not going to steal it. I'm too old for that shit, you know, to try and go find a bootleg. But people put it up. Like, if they can't get it off YouTube fast enough, that's not my fault. Because these yeah. companies put it on YouTube themselves disguised as leaked footage. The UFC learned that trick from Spike way back in the day, like, 06. Well, uh, they, like, pretended to leak tough footage, you know, and then they... Then they hammer the forums with the with the shells to, to like create hype, you know, grassroots hype, fake, you know, astroturfing. But uh, well, so, so these companies, you know, they it's up to them to get the shit off YouTube. So if I happen to see a great fight 
an hour after it happened because someone put it up. That's not my fault. But I don't go and try and find it like a bootleg stream. I don't do that shit. A lot of movie movie, uh, studios do that as well. Uh, Disney is quite notorious for that, for, uh, especially with the new Star Wars movie coming out. They've, uh, all, so, a lot of these so-called viral things uh, have been started by Disney publicity people. Um, I can tell you that for yeah, a fact. UFC, we see a lot of that from the UFC. Bellator doesn't really have it in their playbook, but the UFC does that. Uh, like with the Jones, the, the, the whole viral, you know, making like the, the, the scuffle with Schiller viral. Like, all these accounts pop up on YouTube that that's the only video on the account, you know? Like, just to push it, to create a buzz, and then, and then you know, same thing with the the whole back, behind the scenes. Remember the leaked footage of the, the arguing off, off, you know, supposedly off-camera? But they're all, like, edited slightly different. So it's mm-hmm. like, you can see, it's like corporate trying to look grassroots, but it's, it's like, too, the pattern's still there, it's just a different pattern. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, that's just whatever. That's just what they decide to do. For all I know, a lot of the shit I see on Twitter that I think is genuine is just a bunch of shit. I mean, we all we live in a world where you can't really trust much on social media, other than, unless you know prolonged contact with someone. You can see that okay, this is not someone who's just on some talking points. Oh, exactly. I see a lot of talking points on Twitter, like when Masvidal uh, beat Askren. All these people like Masvidal's been my favorite for years. I'm like motherfuckers. No, he hasn't, because I would have noticed people talking about him, because that's something I kind of pay attention to. A lot of people suddenly, it's their thing, but then you certainly, these certain accounts, every time something happens, they're just like, this is a talking point of the day, basically, you know, and it's kind of insulting. So basically, what you're trying to say is, if a big name like a Ben Askren gets his ass handed to him in four seconds, the trolls come out the woodwork. The trolls, but also, like, I see that, 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 like, there's a lot of astroturfing as far as, like, trying to create a buzz. I can tell you, I can tell you, though, it's, it's all failed because nobody outside hardcore MMA fans know who Jahori Masvidal is. I can tell you that for a fact. Connor's still the only one who's known. And to be honest, to be quite honest, if you didn't see him in Sengoku, Strike Force, or Elite XC, or even those early UFC fights, you're not really a true fan of him. No, exactly. You're not. Or or him Which getting or him getting uh, choked out by Toby Yamada at uh in Bellator. <laughs> well, I remember when he he's a, he's a tough guy and he puts on good fights and stuff. So like people know him for that. But as far as people be like, oh, he's been one of my top five favorites for years. I would notice that shit, you know, because I remember when he fought what was he fought Bendo was it in, was that the Korea show? Yeah, that was the South Korea show. That was yes. Ben so every time these last... fights come up, every time these headline fights come up, the hardcore fans all talk about what they like, right? So the mm-hmm. people who suddenly spring up and say, "Oh, I've been jamming on this guy for so long, or this young lady for so long," I mean, it's bullshit. Like if you pay any even halfway attention over the years and years, we're all in these forums. Sorry, Teep, did we lose you? Oh, Teep, we might have just lost him. Might have gone. Might have... And he was about to go deep into rat mode there. <laughs> maybe maybe his maybe he couldn't his phone knew was getting overheated from the amount of ranting that he was about to uh from him heating up from talking about all the shills and all that stuff. 
Yeah, totally. <laughs> I just, yeah, but, uh, I mean, so, but Christian, like you said, I think you, you hit the, you hit the nail on the head. If A lot of people don't know who Jorge Masvidal is, uh, no matter what the UFC says. He's, he, if any, he still does not have the same name value recognition as a Nate Diaz, Connor, or even, I'll even say Ben Askren, um, at this point, I think. I see, I see. But still, it's like people, it's like the one thing that I don't get when it comes down to MMA promotions, and you, I mean, obviously, we both heard it from Teep that there's a lot of MMA promotions nowadays that want to basically put up their own footage of the fights, like, after it happened, and pretend like nothing key happened. Yeah. But you still got people putting up putting up fights like hours after they're done, like how HBO used to do the week after fights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. No. You're right. You're right. Um, and while we try to get uh, Teep back on, um, I don't know if uh, if uh, we'll. Uh, I guess we could just want to have his final say. Uh, in the meantime, Christian. Uh, should we just go over, we should just start talking a little bit about the, uh, oh, how do you want to do it? Should we, should we do, I guess, I guess we should start from bottom up, the post limbs going up to the main card, I guess? Is that, is, I guess that's the way that we should go about this. I mean, to be quite honest, it wouldn't make sense, you know, for us to talk about the main card first, because that's the that's the format that Bellator is going to probably do with these fights that are going to take place on December 28th. But I think it would be best for us to talk about the fights from the last post slim on Wikipedia on up, so to speak. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. Because, again, you know, I you know, still think that I'm so surprised that they're not going to have, uh, at this point, any prelims. Um, so... I mean, again, that can change, but uh, as of now, yeah, I think... Uh, to be quite honest, if you're going to have prelims take place on that card, you're looking at a 14-hour time difference, obviously, between... Well, actually, no, it's a it's a 14-hour time difference where you are. It's 15 for me, but still, those fights, if they are planning to, you know, start at... 8 p.m., well, actually at 10 p.m. Eastern Time here in the States, you're looking at the fight starting at 10 a.m. over there. Yeah, that's true, that's true. I'm pretty sure that people, you know, I'm assuming, you know, I'm guessing that probably if people are going to the Bellator show, they're going to probably go to the Rising show. That's at least my, I always, I think, I. it's kind of like the two-day Wrestle Kingdom event that's going to be happening um, in uh, next year, in January. I'm guessing that a lot of people are it's going to both shows. Time, much. Yeah, so I'm guessing that that you know, there's gonna, if you're going to go, want to see the Rising show, you're going to go see the Bellator show. If you're going to watch the Bellator show, you're going to go to the Rising show. That's at least my belief. Um, and and so I think I, I think there's definitely going to be a lot of crossover um, between the two shows. Um, and. You know, hope, hopefully no injuries, no more card, uh, nothing happens with the card, you know, we, uh, hopefully, you know, no fights get added as well, uh, and totally out, make, make this audio outdated, 
Um, I'm just hoping, you know, I think the card itself on paper looks really good. I think I think there's a lot of interesting matchups. Um, a few, uh, I think there's about, uh, there's a, maybe like one, two, or three matches that, um, uh, that I think are kind of like, uh, I, I'm, I'm, it's kind of like, you, that seems more like a Ryzen fight. Um, mm-hmm. we have a lot of catchweight fights, a lot of dastardly catchweight fights as well. Um, or as they say in Bellator, contracted weight fights. Yeah, so, so what, when, what is, it's, it basically means the same thing, right? There, uh, is there a reason why they call mm-hmm. it cat, uh, co- contract weights? Mm-hmm, exactly. Is there a reason why they call call it contract weight, Christian? Do you happen to know why? Because when it comes down to a certain fight, if they can't, you know, if one fighter can't make it to another's desired weight class, they have to have it at, like, a midway point for both men or both women to make it to a certain weight without having to cut too much. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um... Uh, with that, uh, Christian, uh, Teep uh, says that he'll join us in a second. Uh, do you, should we, st- we can start, you and I, and then when he gets in, we can get his thoughts uh, on the on the fight or fights that uh, we've gone over. And to be honest, you know, the first the first few fights are not really uh, Bellator fights. They are Ryzen fights. So, um, exactly. yeah, if you, if, uh, if you want to start off, uh, we can start talking about this. Bellator 237, a.k.a. Bellator Japan, Fedor versus Rampage card. Uh, yeah, so let's go and let's talk about the fight from postlims on up. The last postlim on up. And in this case, the last postlim possibly would be Yusuke Yachi versus Hiroto Uesako, the strongest lightweight in Japan. First of all, the particulars for Yusuke Yachi. He has a professional MMA record of 20-9 and nine overall. He has a rising record of 5-3. and three. He stands in at 5 feet 9 inches tall, weighing 154.1 pounds. He is 29 years of age, born May 13, 1990 in Bunkyo, Tokyo, Japan. Representing the famed Crazy Bee Camp, of the Yamamoto family in Tokyo, Japan. He also fights out of what used to be Hard Knocks 365 Gym, but is now known as Sanford MMA in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, USA. So far, he is riding a three-fight losing streak, losing to Luis Killer Gustavo at Ryzen 12. Yeah, right straight. Yeah, right straight. Punch. Getting cut open by Johnny Hollywood Case this time last year, losing in the second round at Rising 14, and losing via unanimous decision to Mikuru Asakura. So it's safe to say that something has to give in this bout. Meanwhile, his opponent, strongest lightweight in Japan, the form, well, actually, let me go ahead and rephrase, you know, some of that. I mean, some of Yusuke's accomplishments, he is obviously a former Pacific Extreme Combat featherweight champion. May that promotion rest in peace. And he's a former Shudo Pacific Rim featherweight champion. 
but he'll be looking to finally get back on the winning track when he faces off against Hiroto Uesako. And Uesako, the former deep lightweight champion, no way, actually the former deep featherweight champion who also has experience fighting in Road FC and shoot boxing, as well as Gorachan and Fury MMA. He stands in at 5 feet 9 inches tall, weighs in at 144.8 pounds, but will have to boost up to 155, or 70 kilos. He's 32 years old, born May 3rd, 1987. Originally from Numazu, Shizuoka, Japan, he represents Wajusu Kehukai Hearts and fights out of Minato City, Tokyo, Japan. He is coming off of a doctor stoppage loss to Luis Gustavo at Ryzen 19 in the lightweight Grand Prix quarterfinals back on October 12th. This coming off of a knockout win over your boy Landu at Ryzen 18 on August the 18th. So... You got a man who's currently riding a three-fight losing streak in Yachi versus a man who's riding a one-and-one record in Ryzen. And both of these two are looking for a win. What say you, Andrew? Who do you think is going to win this fight? Well, I just want to also point out that also Yusuke Yachi also himself started out as a featherweight. I don't think he was at featherweight for that much for, for as long as Yuisako was. Uh, but I, but Yashi definitely did start out as a featherweight, but it made his most clear as lightweight. So we got two former heavy, uh, heavyweights, featherweights, fighting at lightweight now. Uh, I just want to read what Ryzen provided uh, on their uh, Twitter page, on the at Ryzen underscore English, Ryzen FF English page. It's also available on the Ryzen Instagram page. It's basically a, a graphic with uh, stats between the two fighters. I'm going to read uh, what, what it says. A survival battle between Japan's two top lightweights. I don't know if I would say top for Yachi at least at this point. Yachi has the power to stop any opponent at any time, but Yusako brings constant pressure and great wrestling to the cage. Both fighters are motivated and getting back into the winning column. A very unpredictable fight. They are characterized both as strikers. Um, Yachi with a finishing rate of 35%, of 35%, uh, while... Yuisako's is 65. Um, what's, and I'm gonna, let's see if I have any comments from... And it's ironic because the topology fate for saying 65% Yachi win. Really? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm surprised about that. Uh, we did talk to... Uh, basically U- saying that Yusuke Yachi will get a comeback win off of Uisako. Uh... <laughs> You know, I looked at, 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 at Yachi's three losses were bad losses, especially his loss to Mikuru. He And I know that he got injured in the leg during that fight, but nonetheless, you know, um, just to bring up something. So yesterday was the Colby Covington versus Kamar Usman fight. Kamar, uh, Kamar Usman broke Colby Covington's jaw, I think, in the second or third round. But Covington still managed to survive up until the fifth round. I don't want to say that that getting your leg injured is any worse than a broken jaw. Any injury is bad. But the thing is that clearly the, uh, Yachi could not could not fight under that pressure of being injured and the uh, pressure of Mikuru 
just constantly bombarding him. Um, we did um, we did uh, talk to Uesako as well. Um, the audio will be uploaded soon, and we do have and we do think and he did say that he thinks that Yachi is kind of going through like a low phase, both uh, personally and mentally, and you know it seems like. I, I think the hype train for Yachi might be gone. I think it's derailed. I think I think the guy who was supposed to be the next top lightweight in Japan is no longer going to be that. I see Yuisaka winning this very easily. Um, maybe with a soccer kick. or I, I definitely see Yuisaka knocking him out. I don't think this fight goes beyond round two, quite honestly. Um, I'm just going to read one, uh, what Yachi said. He said that uh, I've lost three fights in a row and I am not in the position to say things. But for this fight, I will fight with what I do best. I'm not going to try to fight looks like somebody else. Yuisako is a good fighter and I hope to put on a fun fight with this guy. And Yuisako said, I'm grateful to be given such an opportunity after a loss in the tournament. I think Yashi's a dull star and he's not as good as everybody thinks. I will prove that on the 29th. And I think I have to agree with Yuisako. He's not a, a, Yashi's just not as good as... The hype was, or you know, people make him out to be. This is, I think, Yuisako gets the win, and I don't know what happens with Yachi after this. I may, I don't know. It's like that's the big question. What do you think, Christian? I mean, come to think of it, do you think that if he wins, there might actually be a future for him? I mean, it sounds like it. It seems like Ryzen doesn't really like firefighters if they lose. They, you know, they go by the old pride method of, you know, you can win 10 fights, but if you fight hard in those 10 fights, we'll still put you up, you know? I think that's probably the model they're running at, but, you know, let's go through his losses. The first loss, you know, the Luis Gustavo fight where he stupidly decided not to, to tie his hair back and got knocked out by a guy who, uh, uh, who was a featherweight coming up to fight him on a week's notice. Then the Johnny Case fight... Uh, where we talked to John Case, and he basically said, oh, Yachi always puts his hand down whenever he goes for, I think, a left hook or something. So that's when he decided to strike, and that's how, you know, his eye got all fucked up in that fight. And so, yeah, there, there was that fight, and then there was the uh, highly, uh, I guess, uh, shit-talking fight between him and Mikuru uh, after Mikuru said some nasty things about Crazy B. And then Yachi came into that fight, and it looked like a lost lamb. Uh, and and yeah. even even without the injury, he still didn't look as good. He looked terrible, and let's not forget that third the third round knockdown that he got, and uh, that that uh, Mikuru got, and then it looked like I, I it would be it would have been a walkaway knockout had it been anybody else. But the fight I think ended like literally right as he got that knockdown, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he looked terrible. That's the fight he looked the most terrible in. Like not even at a level of like okay, Mikuru's better. But Yachi's still good. I don't think Yachi's. I don't think Yachi's. You know, if 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 we ever plan to do like Ryzen rankings, I think after this, he's not even in the top ten anymore of lightweights. Who's that, Yachi? Ah, Teep. You talking about Yachi? Yeah, we're talking about y- Yachi Uesako. Um, I, I I'm thinking Uesako is gonna win this uh, easily. I think that Yachi just you know, I think his time has passed him as as a lightweight. I don't see him. As Wait, a, you're not talking Yusuke Yachi, yeah, another Yasashi? No, no, no. Yeah, we're talking about Yusuke. Yusuke yeah, we're talking about Yusuke Yachi. Oh, Yusuke Yachi. Yeah, we actually. Sorry, no, sorry, I had to go for a second. I had to take care of something. No, that's fine. You came right on time, actually. Um, yes, I'm thinking that. 
I'm thinking that uh that uh that uh that uh Yuisako takes this. Um Christian Teeth, one of you uh one of you wanna talk about who you think takes this and why? I mean to be quite honest, I would have to agree with the tapology faithful because in a way Yachi's down on his luck. He looks like he's about to go ahead and just quit it all. I mean, what better way for him to come back off of three devastating losses, each one more devastating than the last, than to get a win off of somebody like Uesako, who has a lot to prove and nothing really to gain from this fight? Well, they're both on losing streaks. Well, I, well, Yachi's on a longer losing streak. Well, Yuisako, just the, the the fight that he lost against Gustavo, don't forget, it was a doctor stoppage. So he wasn't officially finished, I guess I would like to say. Um, and he was still willing to go. He, he, he was basically on a mercy rule. Yeah, much. exactly, yeah. And, and Yuisako was still was still game to go. He was, uh, even though he was bleeding and his eye was all fucked up, he was still, he was still game to fight. Uh, he clearly, uh, he got knocked down, but he was still... He still had his wits about him to try to take down Gustavo after he got knocked down. So, um, I, I'm Christian. I, I gotta say, you know, I'm actually surprised. I figured you'd pick Uesako, um after Yachi's last uh, Yachi's last fight. I'm actually surprised. Well, I have to. I mean, well, to be honest, I have to go ahead and choose the majority on that one. I have to pick Yachi because I feel that you know a win for him would mean that in some way. He's kind of not back, but at least he's not forgotten. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Um, what about you, Teeth? Um, I know this isn't. I know this is kind of like not a Bellator match, but still, you know, uh, rise and rules going to be in a cage. Any thoughts about uh, about this fight uh, that's going to be opening the post limbs as of now? Yeah, I was less confused. Than I thought. I thought you said Yashi. Yeah, Yashi's. I mean, he lost to three good fighters, but uh, it's still three losses in a row. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who's gonna win. I don't know too much about his opponent. He looks like he hasn't done too badly lately. So he said, like the fight with Gustavo, and that was a good fight. Um, so I would, I would maybe favor him. I'm not sure how the styles clash though. So I, I'll, I'll withhold my uh, opinion, but I, I, I do look forward to it. I love seeing Yachi fight. Oh, you. So I like Yachi. Oh, my, my apologies, but still. In a way, the Yachi Uesako fight will close out the post limbs and the entire card. We're just running through them quickly from the last post limb on up, as far as the main card goes. Um. So, but uh, Teep, I'm gonna, I'm forging. I'm gonna have to uh, put your feet to the fire. We keep records about who wins and who loses. We've been doing that, so I have to say, you pick a winner. Pick a winner. Yachi, Yachi, second round, um, second round, uh, flying knee. Wow, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I am the might be least likely outcome, but you know, if it does happen, I'll feel special. I can't believe I'm the odd man out of this. I fu- I I figured we uh, there'd at least be some unison. Um, I don't know. Some I've been. I'm just disappointed in Yachi's uh, fight game, fight, fight, IQ, performance, whatever you want to call it. Ever since, uh, especially that Mikuru fight, where I I ranted about how horribly you fought that fight. Um, okay, I can, well we'll have to wait and see on uh, on fight day. I'm now I'm more excited. 
Now that we all, we all, it's the two versus one. I gotta say, it makes it more exciting to watch. I'll be, I'll be gritting my teeth every time, uh, every time Yusako gets punched. Now. Will <laughs> <laughs> I bet you will? But you want to go ahead and move on to the next fight? Yes. According to Wikipedia. Yep. Sure. Ah uh, yes, we go ahead and move on to the women's strawweight. No, fuck that. We go ahead and move on to the women's super animate division, which is 49 kilos, 108 pounds. Both of these two women are looking to make returning statements in their return bouts to the Japanese MMA circuit, more particularly in Rise and Rules, as Crazy B's fighting future Aishimizu takes on the Crazy Andy Nguyen. First of all, for the member of Crazy B and Gen Sports Academy, fighting out of Yokohama, well, actually not Yokohama, but Shinjuku Endo, Tokyo, Japan. Hi, Shimizu. She is the season three semi-finalist of the Fighting Agent War series on, I think, Abima TV, where the winner fought for one FC, if I'm not mistaken. But ever since then, she's gone two and two, well, actually, ever since then, she's gone 2-0 and in Ryzen and 2-0 and in Deep Jewels, knocking out everyone's favorite Joshi singer, Nanaka Kawamura, at Heisei slash Arnoka, and then defeating Tabitha and Batgirl Watkins in a pretty controversial decision, while also maintaining two wins in Deep Jewels, a ground and pound KO Versailles Kokupo, and Rene Kachok victory over Sayuri Yamaguchi at Deep Jewels 23 and 24, respectively. Anyways, this Crazy B representative stands in at 5 feet 1 inch tall, weighs in at 104.9 pounds with a 63-inch reach. She is 30 years old, born in Tokyo on October the 24th, 1989, and as I mentioned, fights out of the Gen Sports Academy, and Crazy B, and hails from Shinjuku, Indo, Tokyo, Japan. Now, her opponent, who leaves little to the imagination in her topology photo, the Crazy Andy Nguyen. At 6 and 8 overall, originally from Los Angeles, California, she fights out of, she fights out of Columbia, South Carolina, and represents the Karate Mafia MMA camp under Andrea KGB Lee in Bolsier City, Shreveport, Louisiana. Sorry for the Cajun accent, or piss-poor Cajun accent, <laughs> but still. This woman is a two-time, yes, two-time King of the Cage Women's Animate World Champion. Well, actually, no. She is the former and first ever King of the Cage Women's Animate Champion who fought once in Legacy FC and also fought once in also fought once in X1 World Defense and with Lion Fight Muay Thai. She is also one and two inside the Rising Ring defeating and losing to Miyu Yamamoto defeating her at 
the Ryzen 2016 event on New Year's Eve via armbar, straight armbar. Then losing to Reina Kubota almost a year later on October 15, 2017 due to a body blow after missing weight, of course. And then losing to Mu Yamamoto via unanimous decision back on September 30, 2018. She's only taken one MMA fight since then. That was an X1 World Events loss to Tiani Valley back on January the 19th. So it's been over... Well, almost a year since her last mixed martial arts bout, but she kept herself company in King of the Cage, defeating Bellator, well, defeating Ryzen alum Casey Robb, who's also a stripper, <laughs> and 1FC star and Sabarese Fight Fit member by Kill Herbie Nguyen. Anyways, the particulars are on her. She's five feet four inch tall. She's five feet four inches tall, 108 pounds, with a 64 inch reach. She's 37 years old. On April the 22nd, 1982, in Los Angeles, California, and again she fights out of both CA City, Shreveport, Louisiana, representing the Karate Mafia MMA camp. Oh, and also need I mention her professional MMA record: six wins. Opposite eight defeats. With most of those six wins coming by way of finish. So you got a fighter who's six and eight. Basically looking to try to stay relevant in this case. Versus a fighter who's five and one who's looking to become a name on the rise. In a camp that's known for finishing people. So all I got to ask is before... I ask you guys, the Topology Faithful basically says that 92% want to see Aishimizu rub the floor, I mean, <laughs> wipe the floor with old lady crazy. Not that she's an old lady, she probably might kick me square on the head for saying that, but still, what are your thoughts about this fight? Before Do we... you see Angie DeWin getting a chance to you know, prove that even old women can still fight? Mm. Or does Shimizu prove the experience, I mean, prove the experience factor don't mean a damn thing? Before we get into that, I'm just going to give a little bit more background as well. This is, again, from the Ryzen FF English Twitter page, um, where you can see this. Uh, they write, Aishimizu will be making her return against walkout artists, I like that term, walkout artist, Andy Nguyen. Andy brings an exciting Muay Thai style and crafty submissions uh, by the way, as well, uh, Andy Nguyen uh, out for uh, some time due to suffering a broken arm in a uh, Muay Thai match uh, this year. I will utilize her wrestling and take advantage of the rising rules. I've been the most active fighter with knees to the head on the ground. Um, and they put the uh, uh, percentage of finishes with Andy Nguyen at 67, with uh, I, uh, who, that she also goes by, at 75%. And they characterize Nguyen as a striker. And I as a grappler, um, and I'm not gonna really read any of their comments when uh, their fight announcement comments because it's really really just say oh I respect each other and all that stuff so nothing exciting there but um, you know it's been a while I can't believe that Andy Nguyen has an under 500 record at this point when we first started talking when she first started rising 
she what had a nice record. I think it was like four and two, something like that. And now it's six and eight. What the fuck happened? Oh my god. A lot of craziness happened. Let's just say that. Um, I think I easily wins this. I can see I easily taking her down to the ground and either submitting her or winning with ground and pound. I don't think Luin honestly has any advantage in this fight compared to I. Maybe I guess in the stand up to the uh, I guess that in striking, but like I's younger. Uh, uh, I know that Nguyen doesn't look like she's 37, but she is. Um, but eyes uh, younger, uh, I think much more versatile, much more active as well. Much, you know, I know there's, you know, we have the, uh, questionable finish, a questionable, um, uh, I guess, uh, uh, not rest stoppage of that arm bar that, um, uh, she was put in uh, uh, in her last fight. But other than that, you know, she most... I, I think that I mostly dominated that match for the most part. Um, I think I takes this. Um, and I guess another uh, stays undefeated uh, in Ryzen. Uh, Teep, what do you think? Yeah, I think I is going to take this. I mean, Andy's... Uh, I, is, I think she has two amateur wins as well, so she's like... Seven and one, uh, wins like uh, six and thirteen. I think is an amateur, and then and then the pro record you stated. I mean, it's a lot of miles on the tread, but you never know. I mean, the experience could pay off. But yeah, I think they're just they're just building her up. Mm-hmm. And Andy's very very entertaining. They love the walkouts. They love the attitude, and so it's a good fight. It's a very JMMA type booking to build up a prospect. That's how I feel. Oh, no just- insult to. Uh, Andy, though. Just want to correct myself. When I want to correct myself. When the wind started to rise, and she was three and three, um, uh, but uh, and the and the fight that she uh that Aisha Musa had that had the controversial uh, perhaps Gracie tap out as they call it was against Tabitha Watkins, uh, as Christian stated before. Uh, but uh, yeah, Christian, what do you think? Um, who do you think gets the W in this? Princess B. Or the Crasian? Well, if you think about it, and I was talking to the Blaze earlier this week, but unfortunately, considering the fact that she was busy training at Scorpion Fighting System out of Fallonville, Michigan, USA, which is a long flight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where she's actually from, and not Gaffney, South Carolina, or Los Angeles, California, but still, she's training for this fight out of Scorpion Fighting Systems in Fallowville, Michigan. I mean, that's basically a fight camp where, if I'm not mistaken, two of the most recent rising fighters, Alicia Zapatella and Tabitha Watkins, as we mentioned, fought out of, and obviously they lost their respective fights in controversial fashion. But... Still, when it comes to the Grayson, when it comes to Andy Nguyen, she was pretty hyped up about this fight when I talked with her. And she said that when it came down to the fight against Aishimizu, is that, you know, we're in my world. We're in the cage. We're not going to be fighting in the ring. Ah, that's true. And... 
I mean, that may be thing. Obviously, she's talked about this fight. She's ecstatic about this fight. She's but also, when it comes down to her Muay Thai career, she has two fights left for Lion Fight, which are going to probably take place on the CBS Sports Network. But still, when it comes down to the crazing, I mean, yeah, she's going to entice us with her walkouts. She's going to entice us with everything prior to the fight, even though they both respect one another. But I just don't see Andy Nguyen lasting the full three rounds. I think that Ai Shimizu is probably going to take this, if not in one round, probably by the se- probably by the middle of the second. Also, just want to say as well, yeah, she's currently, I think you mentioned before, Nguyen's on a two-fight losing streak as well, with one loss being in the first rounds. Um... So she's so she's she's still a karate uh, mafia MMA uh, under uh, Andrea KGB Lee, right? But she's just doing yeah. a stint with uh, Scorpion. She's under she's under karate mafia MMA with Andrea <laughs> KGB Lee, but for this fight in particular, she's gonna be fighting with. I mean, she's gonna be fighting out Scorpion fighting systems. Do you think? Do you think so? She's obviously so Scorpion fighting systems, like you said. Alicia Zapatella is there, and so is Tabitha Watkins. Um, do you think mm-hmm. that? Uh, do you think that since Tabitha Watkins did fight, um, I and actually she did well. She did well in the fight, and you know, like you said, she you know she almost had this armbar. She perhaps had armbar uh, submission on her, and may, and she may have tapped out. You know. Well, let's not go into your argument now, but do you think that would be also be an advantage, having these two fighters, or specifically one fighter who's already fought her opponent, and kind of like, you know, working with, you know, oh, you know, she's going to try this, uh, so try to avoid that, you know, or something like that, or try to rework, you know, you know, do you think that would also be an advantage for Nguyen going into this fight? It might be, but she has to utilize that advantage, though, because if she comes in... And, you know, if she comes in half-assed on the game plan, she might leave with her whole ass out, so to speak. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's true. Um, I do, you know, I... What I mean by that is, for those who are already, for those who are a little uninhibited by that, when it comes down to Andy Nguyen, I mean, she likes to, I mean, yeah, she's in it for the entertainment. But she's also a very serious fighter. And if she doesn't take advantage of her opponent's weaknesses, her weaknesses will be spread all across that ring, yeah. all across that cage in this case. I also just want to just want to reiterate, this Aishimizu is not the Aishimizu who is a professional wrestler and voice, voice actress in Japan, just to let everybody know. So... Because unfortunately, the Wikipedia link goes to that person. Uh, I think that's the one who's fought for Ice Ribbon of Stardom, one of those promotions. That is, they are not two of the same. Aishimizu, the MMA fighter, is a totally different person. Um, just wanted to reiterate that. I think Andy Nguyen, though, will also have a great entrance. It'll be interesting to see, you know. Uh, I'm curious to know what Bellator is going to allow or, or, you know, what they're going to... You know, why isn't let's their their fighters do entrances how they want them to do? Um, 
Teeth, do you happen to know, do you, do you think that, that Bellator is going to have any say in the entrances? Or do you, what do you think, how do you think the entrances are going to be done? Uh, if, uh, if anything, you have any thoughts or know anything by any chance? I don't know anything specific. Uh, they always do, like, entrances, obviously, I'm assuming they're going to have the same setup. I don't know if there's an event on the in-between day at Saitama, so it's probably the same ramp. So there'll be some extra shit going on, but I don't know specifically what, and I haven't heard anything behind the scenes. Gotcha, gotcha. Because we all, because like I said, she's a walkout artist, so, you know, it'll be disappointing if Andy Nguyen doesn't have a uh, memorable entrance to uh, to come out to. Um, it'll be it'll be a sad day in uh, MMA. Uh, but we... Well, I'm hoping they, I'm hoping they go for broke, but I'm just sort of bracing myself because... You know, as as far as like what, because there's a lot up in the air as far as the broadcast details and who's, who, what exactly is going on. So I'm just gonna enjoy the ride as best I can. But yeah, who knows? Hopefully everything will be big and flashy and epic and loud. That's my that's my goal. You know, to enjoy something like that. Gotcha. Um, right. Right. Want to go on to the next fight, Christian? Because I think the next fight is gonna be a very interesting matchup and a matchup that should have happened already, but. Well, hopefully, have no bullshit like last time. Exactly. No more eye poking. No more eye gouging, pretty much. The only eyes that will be talked about are the ones focused on this fight. Because even though it's in the men's strawweight division, which is the rare unicorn of men's MMA, this one's pretty important. The rematch between Harold Ochi and Jared the Monkey God Brooks. Particulars on Harold Ochi. He's 19-7 and 2 overall with one no contest. He's 5 feet 3 inches tall, 114.9 pounds, 35 years old, born February the 7th, 1984, in Saijo, Ihime, Japan. Representing Paresta Ihime. In Matsuyama, Ihime, Japan. And obviously, when it comes down to his career, he is the deep strawweight champion. Fought one time in the Mongolian, no, fought one time in MGL in Mongolia, defeating some guy whose name I'm not even going to begin to pronounce. Mm-hmm. And he's a veteran of Shuto. His opponents. Obviously, you may know him, you may love him, you just can't live without him. Jarrett, the monkey god, Brooks. 15-2 and two overall, with one no contest. 5'3", 125.5 pounds, with a 62-inch reach. Obviously, he's dropping down to 115 for this fight. 26 years old, born May 2nd, 1993, in Warsaw, Indiana, USA. Fighting out of James Lee's match fight team. In the Dirty District, Detroit, Michigan. Obviously, he is a former House of Fame flyweight champion. He is a former UFC competitor. And aside from that one-note contest, he is undefeated in Japan at three and oh, with one no contest, 
knocking out. Well, actually, let me go ahead and check. He knocked out Junji Ito. He knocked out the Requiem Jun Nakamura. And he is looking to become the single greatest straw weight that the U.S. has ever had. But again, people will only remember him for his 2-2 two two stint inside the Octagon when he defeated Eric Showtime Shelton and Roberto Lulofiri Sanchez via decision and lost to Division, Division Figueiredo and got spiked on his head, well, self-spiked on his head, which led to a loss to Jose Shorty Torres. And that was probably the most viral moment that he's ever had to encounter, but so far... Ever since the no contest against Ochi at Ryzen 18, back on August 18th, he fought and defeated Vitor Altamirano via rear naked choke at, X, at XWC, well, WXC 83, back on Halloween Eve. So, we got a fighter who obviously fought one time more recently than his opponent. But they still want to remember or try to have people forget about the no contest they have and the overwhelming support from the Tapology faithful is simple. Eighty five percent want to see Jared Brooks get the win over Ochi. But I have to ask both of you, what are your thoughts about this fight? Do you think that it'll last longer than fifteen seconds this time around? Was it eye poke or was it a headbutt, Christian? I thought it was a headbutt. Oh, right. It was a headbutt. Either way, hopefully the fight will last longer than 15 seconds. And do you have anything about the press release pertaining to this fight? Um, yeah, Teep, let me... Uh, well, before, uh, before we go into it, let me just uh, re- read a little bit about uh, that uh, things that Ryzen provided on these two. Uh... They, uh, Ryzen, uh, writes, the rematch to determine the world's top straw weight. Brooks, Brooks looks to take it out his, on his frustration from the previous fight on Ochi. This rematch will be held in the Bellator cage, which may change the dynamics of the entire fight. However, Ryzen rules will still be valid. And they, uh, characterize Ochi as all-rounder. Brooks as a grappler. With a finishing rate for Ochi at 63%. And Brooks at 50%. Um... I'll get up what they what they each said in a second. Um, oh yeah, o- Ochi said that he's happy that the rematch is booked and um, uh, this fight will determine the the be- undisputed best strawweight of the world. And uh, he's taking it very seriously. Uh, Jared Brooks says, "I plan on taking this uh, fight full full stream. I think he meant I think they meant to say full steam, and you will see the best of the monkey god." Um, I it's a you know I I think I predict I put uh uh Brooks as the winner of the last fight. I still don't change it. I I consider Brooks unofficially def- undefeated. Uh, kind of like how John Jones is unofficially undefeated, where it's kind of like two bullshit losses. But I uh, that are I that are I know he's I know officially he's lost, but nonetheless you know if you look at Brooks's record, he's been dominant in almost all of his matches. Um, so I pre- I think Brooks will win this. I think that you know Brooks is I I can see this going all three rounds, but I think Brooks is gonna 
is just going to outpower and and he's going to use his UFC cage experience to uh, and also don't forget as well, like you said, he fought in Japan as well, so he knows about the Japan rules. So, um, so it's, so he's basically coming back to a to a rule set that he probably you know was familiar with at one point, or you know at least had the opportunity to uh, to uh, partake in. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's like Goku used uh, a lot of kicks to the head, right on the ground. I think right. I mean, you're asking me. Oh yeah, Christian. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think they did. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's you know, I think I, I think I, I also just think that Brooks is the overall better fighter. I know that Ochi's on a long ass winning streak right now, but I think that Brooks is probably just the uh, better fighter. Um. Uh, Teep, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know too much, too too much about the opponent. I was, it was a shame how the, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking to see him crying because the fight didn't go forward. You know, after all that build up, fighting in Japan, it's a dream for a lot of these young men and women. So they, you know, even and some of the not so young men and women, you know, to go fight over there. So I felt bad for him, but um, just looking at their two bodies of, of experience, they both have a lot of momentum. His opponent has more momentum than him, but I'm looking back, and it looks like uh, Jared had, like, 13 amateur fights, and now most of them were rookies, but as far as just experience in the fight game in general, that's a lot of good experience. I'm not sure how long that stuff, if he just bursts them all together. No, he took his time, four years, 13 fights. But anyway, so he's he's obviously very good, and uh, I do favor him because uh, maybe uh, – if for nothing else, he's nine years younger. So he's 26. The opponent's 35. He's getting up there where the, the, the sort of the ideal balance between experience and age and wear and tear on the body is more in Brooks' favor, where he's done, he's had a lot of cage experience, but he's still a young man's body, as far as we know. So I, fa- I definitely favor him. What about you, Christian? Well, I picked Brooks in the first time that myself and Andrew talked about it. I'm remaining unchanged. However, I just hope that when it comes down to any potential mishaps, I hope that both fighters will be ready for it. Because this fight is going to be taking place in the rising ring. Well, this fight's going to be taking place under rising rules, so they wouldn't have to worry about any unified rules BS that goes on on the main card. But... You know, I just hope that these two just give these fans a show and give everybody a run for their money, proving that, hey, small guys can go, too. The pop mules can go as well as the heavier competition, especially in the men's divisions. But I really hope that this fight can do wonders, not just for, well, the men's strawweight division, division but the lighter weight divisions in general in MMA because obviously Bellator they drop down only to Bantamweight and that's just about it but you know I just hope that with this fight that people would actually take interest in fighters that basically look like starving Ethiopian immigrants or oh. <laughs> actually starving Ethiopian children mm-hmm. <laughs> Yo, Christian, do you do you agree with the the sales pitch that the winner of this is the man at that weight, like V Man, the number one in the world? Is that pretty? Would you say that's 
pretty fair to say. Strawweight. Yeah, well, I mean, that would be cool to, I mean, it would be cool to say that. However, Jarrett Brooks is not a champion currently in that weight division. Obviously, Ochi is. Misuhiso Sanabe, who is going to be in the Pancrase Hall of Fame, was the light flyweight king of Pancrase. But I have a feeling that if Jarrett Brooks wins this fight, he won't need a belt to solidify. He's the best. He's just going to prove to everybody, including to myself and Andrew, that he's the best just by showing up and talking about it. Yeah. That's what I mean. I mean, I don't mean like a belt or a lineal title or anything like that, but is the winner of this pretty much the top of the... Are they at the peak, would you say? Oh, oh Most yeah. definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, this is the big case. I care about belts. Um... Well, uh, belts. I think that belts are important. Belts, you know, signify, you know, number one. Um, I well, the strawweight, you know, belt though, you know, the, like, you know, it's a, it's a unicorn to see men's strawweight, and like, there's only two major champ. Well, not Tsunabe anymore, but one major champion, I guess you could say now, Ochi. Uh, and if he he loses, you know, I unofficially, it's kind of like you know how uh you know Kyoji Horiguchi lost to uh, Kai Zakura. And a non-title match. So what do you, you know, you, this guy beat your champion what is, in an MMA match, but it was non-title. So is that fair to say that, that, that he's better than the actual champion? I think you can make an argument for that he will be number one in the world without a belt. Um, it kind of sucks, yeah, especially for champ. Kai, Kai hasn't gotten his full credit because, uh, you know, Gucci's one of those pound-for-pound pound guys. Won the tournament, won a shit ton of fights in a row, and made some of them look very easy. Uh, and, uh... You know, just because it wasn't title fight, people like, oh, whatever. Now, now everyone goes, you know, if you're, if you're not in the UFC and you beat someone who's in that discussion, people just forget you. They don't, you know, it's rather than, it like it's like downward progress for the, the person who lost, but the person who wins doesn't get there to shine. So oh, right now, Kai is one of the, the premier guys at that weight because he beat one of the absolute best across any weight. I mean, serious accomplishment, you know, and I'm sure people will be like, oh, it was too fast. You didn't get a chance to see Yo, he beat his ass. He beat his ass. Well, uh, no one's done that to Gucci, right? The worst, though, is when somebody's dominant for such a long time, and then they get one loss, and then suddenly they were never good. They were a scrub. You know, I was never a fan when the uh, hype train, when everybody turns on the hype train, and that's what happened for Gucci. And I'm very... People, I think a lot of people like enjoy sharing the abstract concept of winners. Like, oh, this guy's the winner. I'm on his side because he's the winner. It's like, it's like sucking up to the guy in the best, who's wearing the Basically nicest business suit in the room. Doing. Basically, what they're doing, and I'm sorry for quoting it, display, but what they're basically doing is dick right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fair weather fandom, and when they lose, they're like, oh no, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not cheering a loser. But it's like, well, you're not, you weren't cheering that person in the first place. Win or lose, real fandom is you take. The fucking blows with the with the, you know, you take the good stuff and the bad together, and then you just cheer the person. If you have a good reason to cheer someone, if you're just cheering winners, that's just being a, a fan of winners, like an impersonal sort of thing. That's not. I don't even know if that. I don't know what that would. It's kind of corny. It's like listening to pop music. Just whatever's big is the best thing that's ever happened. You know, Justin Bieber. Fuck Marvin Gaye. I'm listening to Justin Bieber. Look at how many records he's selling. That's how yeah, a lot of people cheer 
flavor of the day. Yeah, but Justin Bieber ain't suing anybody for using samples without their permission. I just want to also uh, correct myself. I didn't mean to say Sengoku before. I meant to say Pancras, uh, where uh, Jared Brooks fight. Uh, question, question, Teep, though. Do you think that Jared Brooks, um, you know, presuming he wins this fight, do you think he could potentially have a future in Bellator as a flyweight or even potentially bantamweight in their roster? I would say if they bring him in, they'll just bring him in as a, do like a special booking at, at his optimal weight. They'll find someone in his weight. They've done that. They've done some flyweight fights. They had um, Alba, um, Amir Albazi. Who's one of I think MVP's teammates at London Shoot? Uh, he's a flyweight, and they just put him in fights at flyweight. Maybe one-offs. Maybe they don't sign a long-term contract, but they're not a, you know, they're not. Um, that's kind of what they're doing with Kerry Melendez right now. They don't have a division, but and they're not necessarily going to start a division at least per Coca. Oh yeah. They don't have plans to, but well, they just do fights. What's also be know, honest? Just put on a fight. What's supposed to be honest? A men's strawweight division probably. Is at least for any major American promotion, is not going to happen as long as we're alive, probably. Well, not anytime soon. I mean, if there was some giant structural change and everything got so much deeper, you know. But yeah, absent absent some like sea change in like how everything's done, they're not going to do it. There aren't enough people. Flyweight suffering from that. There are people, but there, you know, there maybe there aren't enough characters mm -hmm. at that weight. Maybe that's the right way to put it because. The deep divisions have like a bunch of characters, people who sell, people who are interesting, not just, you know, like spinning around doing cool shit. It's like individuals. It's like heavyweight is still the premier division. That's where most of the characters are. Oh yeah. But you know, there's there's competition, but heavyweights where, you know, if if you go to lighter lighter weights, where where are the rampages and the, the crow cops and the fedors and the Warmaster and stuff, you know, there's some great characters, but a lot of guys start to blend in together. I think the larger they get, maybe it's because the, the divisions are less predictable when you get heavier and heavier. Uh, two so more people. Just two more, uh, two more questions I have on this. Uh, did you guys realize that Jared Brooks apparently is ha is hated so much by a lot of MMA fans? Apparently, ah, is there a good reason? Uh, apparently, he's a very outspoken guy. Uh, well, He's always, like, talking shit and, like, apparently, like, outspoken and, you know, he's one of those guys, like, he's he's always, whenever, like, there's a bantamweight or flyweight uh, fight uh, in UFC, he's always saying, I could beat the shit out of, like, this entire roster uh, for UFC. And or you know what? He probably could. I think, I think it's the case of one of, the, one of those guys who, he, ha he says a lot of stuff, so that's why, like... A lot of people get angry because he doesn't, like, mince the words, I guess you could say. Yeah, he doesn't really kiss ass to the casual fan, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, he's, probably, he's probably caught a lot of shit in his career for being so small. People are like, ah, oh, shut up, sure. But, you know, he's like, he's a serious dude, you know. Just being small doesn't mean someone isn't a fucking absolute killer in, in like, a martial arts realm, so... Maybe he's just like, yeah, fuck you too. And, and, you know, uh, and it's like back and forth and people get into it. I mean, some guys like that. Ben Askren, man, people are still trying to troll him for the Masvidal fight. Forget the last one. I mean, that was booked to be, a, you know, like a fight that was hard for him to win. They just, they just wanted to get him out of there. But uh, 
But the Maslow fight, people still talk trash to him, like, like they're somewhere on the level of Ben Askren. It's like, dude, he's, you know, he's a two-time Hodge Trophy winner. You know, and obviously the trolls probably don't even know what that is, but he's a serious fucking dude. Before he even got Danny Hodge, legend. Let me guess, the Danny Hodge Trophy that belongs to the best wrestler in America, right? Exactly. He won two of those, and not a lot of people have won more than one. You know, he's like he's like a very special wrestler. Even before he came into MMA, and I think people, you know, they just get used to the hair and him talking shit on Twitter, and they forget he's a very serious guy, serious coach. You know, dead serious individual. It's just that he doesn't carry himself like you're supposed to kiss his ass. Like he kind of jokes around and stuff. But when in the wrestling room, he is respected very much. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe more so now in the fight game, even if it's only because people want to hype up the guys who beat him. You know what I mean? They're saying like a lot of, I guess a lot of the more dedicated UFC fans would going with it. He hasn't fought anyone. He sucks. He's like you can't rank him anywhere. But man, once he came in, beat Robbie. You know, they were still trying to say, oh, oh he lost that fight. Even though he won, he really—it was a really a loss. And then, then Masvidal beats him, and now they're giving a big media push to Masvidal. Now suddenly, that's Ben Askren. He beat Douglas Lima. He beat Andre Kreshkov. I'm like motherfuckers. People who know about him have been saying that for years, trying to get him respect, even though he wasn't fighting the top guys, always in one championship. It's like, you know, so you find yourselves on opposite sides, and people just running this way and that, like dumbasses. So I can understand a guy like Brooks who's like, "Fuck you too." You know, who knows what all he's had to listen to. But, uh, you know, it's just how it goes. A lot of fans are edgelords. Uh, you also brought up a name, off topic a little bit about, about the uh, about the car, well, about, about this fight specifically. You brought up a name, and I got to say, I'm kind of disappointed this, this person was not booked for this show. Uh, Josh Barnett. Um, uh, he's booked for the Hawaii card, so I guess that's kind of maybe Japan adjacent, if you want to characterize it in some way. They're just, it's, they, they, want him to, they want him to headline a... Um, his Bellator debut, because like one of the one of the big aspects about free agents, right, that's almost never talked about, but it's so huge for them is they don't have the footage. Like when they sign, when they say when Bellator signs Roy McDonald or Gagog Musasi, well, how much of their footage do they own to promote them with? Mm-hmm. It's casual fans, you know what I mean? Imagine the UFC trying to push like John Jones, but they don't own any of his fights. They just got him, and so all they can do is be like, "Hey, we got John Jones," and you know, and then silence, yeah. radio silence from the from the guys who own no, the fight. Right? That's kind of what it's like. So that they gave him a, an easier fight. That guy who's been in like heavy pace. Well, I'm sorry, T, for interrupting you, even though it's kind of my thing. But in a way, when it comes to Josh Barnett, all they can just do is throw some scary imagery, some some footage from his dream and IG up fights, and then. Have him come out to Bolter or whatever song, I mean, whatever hard grunge rock band he comes out to, and he, you know, have him be intimidated. Yeah, and then he's, he's headlining the cards, they get him on the poster, he's fighting a guy he should, if he's not drastically declined, he should beat this guy up, and then now they've got footage, now they've got at least one win, hopefully a Barnett doing some Barnett shit to him, holding him up, and then Maybe one more fight, maybe even a high-profile fight, and then hopefully a Fedor fight. Because I don't think Fedor's got too many well, left in him. They need to fight in Russia before it's all over. Well, question. Okay, what else happens? Well, question, Teep. Uh, they announced Josh Barnett earlier, um, I think probably around summertime maybe, that he had signed with Bellator. What, what took his, do you have to know why it took so long for them to just find a... 
usually a name like that, you kind of like, oh, we signed him. He's fighting next month or two months from now. But it happened. But he's fighting. Uh, uh, uh what is it? I think ne- this weekend or next week. I think. This coming weekend. Yes. Yeah, so- I think what it was is I, I'm not sh- specifically. I'm not certain about the the timeline, but I think when they signed him, they had announced one. They announced they were going to Hawaii, but they hadn't announced both shows. So it might have been they were trying to work out the details on the on the salute the troops event, and then or trying to get him a fight in Rising. They just couldn't put something together in time. Sometimes you know behind the scenes, the the timing isn't always like it's not always like a master plan. Sometimes they're scrambling to get stuff done. And so they can't say anything because they have it yet. Either that or they probably had to adhere to a clause in his no-compete contract. Could be, or he just had shit going on because he's a busy man too. So it it could be a combination of things or just finding a a timing of an opponent because they got him. Obviously, the dude's a professional wrestler. He's a catch wrestler. He does work with Quintet. He wrestles all over the U.S. independent scene. So there's that, too. Yeah, but I think it's a win for them just having him. Got Josh Barnett. Even if you don't have his footage, you know, have him headline a card. Guys fighting isn't a wimp, but he's like, if you look at his opponents, it wasn't that many fights ago. He was in PFL. I think he fought a guy who was like 1-0 and or 2-0 and or something. You know, this guy's got a bunch of fights, and he's, I don't know what that, you know, people make fun of the Bellator matchmaking, but that was some extreme shit when I looked it up. But um, but it's good. Get him on a headline. Hopefully he wins, and then they can book him against a name. And then hopefully against Fedor after that. Gotcha, gotcha. Perfect. You know, Fedor and Barnett in Russia, with, uh, if it times out, you give Nemkov a light heavyweight shot, you put Tokov in there at middleweight. The the younger Tokov brother at lightweight, he's not ready yet, but um, Moldavsky, a couple more wins, he could be in title contention. They could do, they could load it up, the Fedor, the Fedor team card. That's what I hope. Gotcha, gotcha. Basically, Team Fedor versus the world. Combat Sambo, you know. Uh, Khabib wasn't the guy to teach the world, although some of the UFC fans don't like to think about it. I mean, Fedor, his Combat Sambo lineage and um, his team, they're just, it's just that the reason Bellator needed to get him, Coker needed to get him, isn't just because he's Fedor, although that's his good, a good reason on its own. It's that whole team. These guys are fucking killers, and you, you, they, they travel with Fedor, so... I imagine that was part of the sticking point for the UFC. He's like, you signed my team too, right? They're like, yeah, I don't know about that. Why don't you send him to PFL? Like, do like Askren, you know, go to PFL for a fight. Go get Ali as a manager or something, and we'll we'll talk. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. but it's good. So I'm glad he's in Bellator, and it, it keeps the Ryzen option open. Just a lot of exciting stuff. Ryzen and, and Bellator, you know, they're sort of counteracting the supremacy of the UFC by working together. And um, maybe this won't be the only time, you know, in the, in the near future that they are working together like this. We might see more cards like this. That would be sweet. Okay. With that, uh, Christian, do you want to move on to the next match uh, of this uh, post-slim show? Yeah, might as well. And this is going to be the first fight that's going to take place in the welterweight division out of the two that'll take place. Super Saiyan John Tuck versus Ryuichiro Sumimura. First of all, the particulars for the Guaymanian Tuck. He's 10-5 and five overall. He, he fights 
damn it, I'm sorry, you guys. I can't really... <coughs> As you can hear, my voice is really crazy right now, so... I'll be right back. I just gotta do something real quick. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll, I'll give a... I'll start a little bit of, of it off, and Christian can finish it. So, uh... As Christian was going to say, this is going to be Ryo, Ich- Ryo Ichiro Sumimura taking on former UFC fighter Super Saiyan, John Tuck. Now, John Tuck normally is a lightweight fighter. He's going up in welterweight for this fight. Um, hey, uh, is this, hey um, does it say that on the poster? Because I'm looking at Tapology and it says it's a 155. Oh, it is? But it seems like Wikipedia and Tapology don't necessarily Let me double thing, maybe. Let me double check it. I thought it was going to be a welterweight, this fight. Um, Sumimura is, is uh, Tapology at least says he's the number four welterweight in Japan, so maybe he's moving down, or... You might be right. Let me double check it. I thought it was a welterweight. I thought I thought he was fighting at welterweight. Um, I have a Wikipedia. Wikipedia says welterweight. Let me see what the Ryzen Bellator um, uh, uh, press release says. Uh, cause I'm pretty sure it's at welterweight. Uh, do 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 do. Where is John Tuck? Uh, doing this on the fly. Okay, here we are. So, uh, do 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 do. Oh, there it is. Uh, seventy-one kilogram, seventy-seven kilograms. That is welterweight, I believe. Seventy-seven. Okay. Seventy-seven. Uh, uh, doing my uh. Tr- uh yeah, that is um, that is welterweight. Um, I think seventy one is a uh, lightweight. Um, I'm gonna go by what Ryzen says. I think Ryzen might yeah, be seventy seven kilo seventy seven kilograms. That's on the the poster. Yeah, so I'm gonna go by what Ryzen says. You know, uh, we I talked about this with Christian off air before, but yeah, uh, Dothology is a little bit out, surprisingly outdated for this. Uh, for these two cards. I'm not so sure why, because they're usually... Yeah, I don't know what their groove is on these two cards. Some, you know, like, they usually vary on point, and everything's on, so, unless they have multiple pages. I think that's happened in the past, where they weren't sure what an event was called, so they make a stopgap page. Then they do the page. So, it is hard to say. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they even have all the bouts on here. No, they don't. As an... No, they don't. They surprisingly do not. Um... It's actually, I think they're missing uh, one or two fights, including the kickboxing match, which we'll be talking about, um, which they sometimes... Sorry look... about that, you guys. Oh, that's fine, Christian. That's fine. I, I just... mean, my lungs are... I mean, considering the fact that I'm so tiny as it is, I'm only five feet tall, my lungs suck. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, well, but uh, Christian, yeah, we were. I was just about to go into the... The particulars, since you're here, I'll let you take over. I mean, to think of it, have you already gone through the particulars? No, nah, I barely got through John Tug. I just said Super Saiyan and then Welterweight, and then we were looking uh, at... Ta- goodness. Let me go ahead and get through them real quick so that we can talk about this fight. Yes. Jonathan Evan Cruz Tug, a.k.a. John the Super Saiyan Tug, is 5 feet 11 inches tall, weighs in at 155 and a half pounds. With a 73-inch reach. He was born in Chalam, Pago, or Dot, Guam on April, oh no, on August the 28th, 1984. Therefore, he is 35 years old. 
He fights out of Hagatna Guam. He fights out of Hagatna Guam by way of Alliance MMA in Chula Vista, California, and the Crazy Bee Camp in Shinjuku, Indo, Tokyo, Japan, as well as Abu Dhabi top team in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. Is he also a Spike 22? Yeah, I think so. I mean, what Guaymanian fighter isn't from Spy 22, dude? I was going to say, is it, that's got to be like the only, uh, the only team in, uh, in Guam, as far as I know. Um, yeah, I have it that he also fights out of Spike 22. Right, 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 of course. But still, outside of him holding a 6-0 professional MMA record, away from the big promotion in Vegas. <clears throat> See what I did there? It's like saying mm -hmm. the WWE's the big promotion, the big fed in Stanford, Las mm -hmm. Vegas, the big home of the UFC. But still, this will be Tom, I mean, this will be, this will be John Tuck's first fight away from the UFC since all the way back in 2011. You have to, I mean, you really hate to see that shit. Where a guy has not fought since, where a guy has not fought away from the UFC octagon in such a long time. I mean, yeah, he's got a fight against, I mean, out of the six fights he had in the start of his career, the only one that really made anything worth a damn was a fight against Edward Landslide for La Yang when they were both undefeated prospects. But that was so long ago that people forgot. <clears throat> Anyways, aside from the 6-0 he had outside the UFC, he's 4-5 inside. He was 4-5 inside the octagon and ended a pretty crazy, pretty hellacious 8-year run. I mean, 7 or so year run with losing to the Doberman, Drew Dober. Back at UFC Fight Night 135 on August 25th, 2018, he was supposed to have faced off against Brandon Hurts Gertz at Bellator 227, but that fight got scrapped. So instead, he's facing off. So, so instead, he's facing off against Sumi Mura, who is 14 and 7 overall. He's five feet seven inches tall, weighs in at 170.3 pounds. 33 years old, born February the 14th, 1986. He represents the Trinity Sun Cap and fights out of Sumo, Japan. He is. Well, actually, he's fought in Ryzen before, losing to Kichi Strasta Kunimoto, but he's more well known with being the current deep welterweight champion. And also had stints fighting for Heat and Panclis. Plus, he's currently riding a one-fight winning streak, most recently choking out Yoshitomo Watanabe at deep 90-second impact back on October 22nd. So we got two guys coming off of some pretty crazy bouts. One coming off a loss and hasn't fought in over a year. The other coming off of a win. And is looking to basically avenge the loss he had under Rise of Rules. But for truth, 
But for John Tuck, who's a family friend of the Yamamoto's, I mean, do you think that he'll probably have at least a little bit of an advantage coming into this fight? And I just want to remind y'all that the Tapology Faithful has voted an overwhelming 76% for Tuck in this fight, probably due to the experience in the UFC. So how is this fight going to shape up from y'all's perspectives? Uh, also, going up in weight as well. I don't know if, uh, has John Tuck, I know he was on the Ultimate Fighter. That was probably maybe the only time he's ever fought welterweight, as far as I know. Um, I get, I don't know if he's ever fought, uh, any other time at, at welterweight, as far as I know. Um, I can't recall. I honestly can't recall. Um, I'm almost, I'm also surprised. I mean, I can't recall either, other than the fact that he's fought nine times inside the Octagon. Also, yeah, and also, he's also had a, a one over one year layover um, with the uh, with not fighting since uh, the Drew Dober fight of August of last year. Um, it's so it, it will ring. Well, I should say in this case, cage rust be a factor um, in this. Uh, Probably so, but considering the fact that it's going to be in rising rules. Oh, no, wait, actually, I don't even know if this fight's going to be under rising rules. I mean, it might be under the unified rule set. Uh, no, it's, I believe it's, it's rising rules. I believe, no, it's going to be in a cage, oh. but, but rising rules. Well, well, to be quite honest, he won't have to worry too much about ring. I mean, he won't have to worry too much about ring rust, cage rust, or rusty crotch. <laughs> That's true. I'm That's... just kidding. I'm just kidding. But still, he won't have to worry too much about, you know, not being in the cage or not being in the ring for too long playing a factor because he's got the experience edge. And I think, as I want to make an early prediction about this, I think that Tuck will probably finish Sumi Muller out in the first two rounds. What say y'all? Uh, Teep, I'll let you uh, go first. Well, I'm looking at uh, Sumamura's like recent record. The guy he just beat was, like was 16 and 16, and he lost to Kunamoto, who you know got decked by Roof. That was a good fight. And uh, I th who's Kunamoto fighting? Neiman Gracie, right? In Hawaii. Uh huh. That's gonna be fun. I Gracie all day. Armbar. But uh, but looking at. Um, looking at um, Sumamura, like the fight, like two, the fight before. Let's see, the fight before that was nineteen eight opponent beat. Then he beat up before that a one and zero opponent. But before those, the fight before that was a fifteen one opponent and thirteen and twelve. He's been all over the place as far as the strength of competition, but he is winning. And uh, you know, Hasegawa was fifteen one and one, I guess, when they fought. Deep, so I mean, he's got some good stuff. I'm leaning toward him, but it's not that he has like momentum because I mean, he's only coming off one win in a row against Watanabe. But uh, I do believe he's gonna carry the day, although I, it's not a strong opinion. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of what the Rising English account had to say Japan's top Walter Bray, Ryuichiro Sumimura, always puts on exciting slugs. John Tuck will be making his rising debut at welterweight and looks to leave an impression for further opportunities with the promotion. 
It'll be a striking versus grappling about in the cage under Ryzen rules. And of course, you see the photo on the Ryzen English Twitter account, you would know that John Tuck has a 90% finish rate. He's an all-around fighter. Sumigula has a 60% finish rate, and obviously, he's a striker. Uh, but also, you know, um, I'm, I'm also going to read uh, what uh, what was said uh, when the fight was announced. Uh, John Tuck says something pretty, I think, pretty funny. I don't know if they mistranslated, translating from English to Japanese back to English or whatever. Um, but uh, well, let me read what Sumigura uh, wrote first. Uh, Sumigura says, I couldn't do anything in my last fight. This was against, um, I guess he, he's referring to Kurinimoto. Uh, um... And uh, I appreciate Ryzen getting me back on the card. I will promise not to disappoint the fans again. I will put on a fun fight. Now listen to what John Tuck has to say. Has has to to say this. John Tuck said, I have been jerked off for quite a while. And finally get my shot in Ryzen. Ryzen will regret that they didn't give me an offer sooner. Mr. Sumimura, don't hold a grudge against me after a fight. Blame, blame Ryzen for matching me against you. <laughs> wow. I guess he's a little... I'm taking it he wanted to get onto Ryzen 18 or 19. So I wonder, yeah. So I, I'm trying to think. Um, didn't we talk with, with a fighter a fighter who... Um, Christian, maybe you remember. Didn't want to... I feel like we talked to a fighter who said that they were originally supposed to fight John Tuck. Was it Brown? Uh-huh. Maybe? There was some, I, I feel like there was some white white fighter who we interviewed who mentioned John Tuck by name as as a fight that was supposed to happen. Um, I mean, I don't quite remember because we did so many of these interviews over the last two months or so that it's hard to you know keep count of this. I yeah. thought Tuck already fought Brown in the UFC, or might he be did. someone else. And I thought, yeah, no, he did I fight. Saw that. Yeah, yeah. And he lost. And um, I, I, I could swear I thought that Damian was it Damian Brown or some some fighter said that that they were supposed to fight John Tuck, but it didn't work out for whatever reason. So it was probably Johnny. I mean, if, if not Johnny Case, it might have been somebody. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, he was booked. He was booked against. Brandon Gertz, I guess that I'm guessing that would have been a lightweight. Gertz is a lightweight, but uh, maybe when that fell through, because that was supposed to be for September, so maybe when that fell through, there was a hope he would get in and rise, and it didn't happen. Maybe that's what he's referring to. I like see. someone, maybe it was a Brown rematch, and then they just couldn't make it for whatever reason. I see. I see. Yeah, you know, um, it's quite it's quite entirely possible. Um, I, th- I wonder, uh, it's just also this fight being a welterweight. I wonder if they couldn't get a lightweight fight for him just because they have all the lightweights booked for that, um, for that, um, uh, tournament that they're doing. So I'm, I'm curious to know, would this be considered, would we consider this the first uh, official Ryzen versus Bellator match or is because John Tuck hasn't officially fought for Bellator? Do we, or, or are we not going to count this? As he, as he no, says. this is a rising fight. Since John Tuck hasn't officially fought for Bellator yet, this is officially a rising fight. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, well, you know, I'm going to have, you know, I think that probably, um, 
Tuck is maybe the better fighter overall, but I gotta say, going up the weight class, I think is gonna be a disadvantage for him. I think Sumimoto is gonna take this based on the on the uh, weight class uh, difference. Sumimoto is gonna be much bigger than him, probably much stronger than him. Hey, if Tuck wins, if he can weather the storm, great. But I think that I don't, oof. you know, Tuck. I don't, you know, with the one year layoff as well. I mean. Is he choosing to stay Plus at welterweight? Plus the crowd won't be with him, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also the traveling. Someone more is going to be coming in with that big dick energy because he's going to have everyone behind him. So, you know, it could be the difference. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I got to say, I think I think that Sumimura probably, I, I have to, I, like I said, I think that Tuck would probably be the better fighter, fighter overall. But, yeah, I just, uh, I think that probably, um, yeah, that 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 Tumimura is gonna win this based on just the weight disparity between the two. Yeah. Hey, real quick, guys. Before we do the next fight, let me just ask you. So, what do you think the impact is likely to be for fighters when they debut in Japan? They're not, that might not be used to a rising audience where they kind of sit there and they gasp and they cheer, but they but when nothing's happening, it's not, there's no woos or drunk bro dudes shouting knees. Well, I think I think it'll be. I think an easy answer is as I think it'll be great for a lot of fighters who cannot hear their coaches or mishear their coaches. They'll be able to hear their coaches succinctly, and you know, be able to do what what their coaches tell them to look out for or to advance with. Because you know, yeah, like like Josh Barnett with Victor Henry, that was beautiful, wasn't it? He just talked him right through it and just some warrior shit. Exactly. Teamwork. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, I I think that's how it's gonna be, and I think a lot of fight I think a lot of fighters will benefit from that. Um, because listen, I don't know how some of those fighters in those UFC shows hear their coaches. Um, I have like I can barely hear sometimes the announcers because those crowds are so loud for good and for bad, both. Um, but you know, you also won't have people like yelling. Listen, the only thing they're gonna they're gonna have to put up with hearing is the women. You know, screaming like a name or something of the Japanese guy or something, you know, and their high-pitched voice. But, you know, um, you won't hear anybody, like, trying to tell, like, yell, kick him in the dick or something like that. So, pretty sure that I think they're going to kind of, they're going to welcome the uh, change of crowd attitude, I guess you could call it. Mm -hmm. Especially considering the fact that the crowd is mostly silent unless a big move happens. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I wonder if it throws guys off too, because like um, the crowd, they get they they get um, excited for like pivotal moments. So like a takedown is a big deal, but it's not like like oh, now he's gonna win on points because like they don't judge on points. But it's just the fact that they know the a positional change is a big deal. Like back in the day when Mirko stuffed Mark Coleman's wrestling right before the knockout. They were loving that because they knew what that meant. You know, they were like, this is the end. You know, so I like that about the crowds there. I'm very excited to have Bellator represent the brand over there with that kind of crowd reaction. It's a lot different. So the only, the only thing they're going to have to worry about, the only time the crowds will boo in Japan is if they do nothing, if they just lay on the ground and do nothing and not in the grappling sense of like, oh, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, uh, Naming Gracie trying to work a hold or or um high high Gozali trying to go for an ankle lock or something. They're not gonna they're not gonna boo the attempt. 
if the if if neither of the fighters are doing nothing, uh, then that's when they'll have to. That's when the crowd will turn on the match. So you don't have to yeah, worry about. They were, very pa- they were very patient during Cowboy Haraguchi. That was a terrible. That should have been officiated better. They should have been stood up so many times in that fight. I was like, no, don't don't have this be the fight where you don't don't do like Conor Mayweather and not enforce the rules because the one guy's just coming into the rules. Fuck that guy. He's got to play by the rules. Yeah. I didn't like that. that was my one of my few judge, you know, not judging, refing complaints in the whole history of Ryzen so far was that fight it was way way too much time on the ground. Fuck that. I wonder, you know, it will also be interesting to know who refs are. They uh, will will Bellator bring over. You know, like Big Dan, uh, Jason Herzog, uh, I don't know, Mark Goddard. Um, no, if you can't bring over Mark Goddard. Uh, Maybe so, they can bring him, what's his name? Beltran. Oh, yeah, Mike Beltran. Braid some glow rods into his beard. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. That also be... The man who probably rides a motorcycle wherever he goes. <laughs> I, yeah, that'll be interesting to know. Like, I really want. Like, are they going to just stick with the refs that they have in Japan, or are they going to bring over the referees? Because you know, there's a one referee. I forgot his name right now. I call him uh, Mr. Miyagi or Great Muda because he looks like both of them. Uh, who has the little has a goatee? Who like if there's like a second of stalling, he stands up everybody, and then there's. I love that. That's what we want. Uh, wait a minute. You mean. Ryogoku Wada, right? Yeah, Wada, 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 who, yeah, who, like, you know, he always says, action? Action? See, that's Stop. what I want to see. There's a reason I prefer those rules, and, and when you take that away and let people just hump each other, it's like, that's not what I'm tuning in for. Because I know, like, for me, I know the Bellator roster passes, so I get the most structural enjoyment out of it. But the best rules, rise in rules, meaning you don't get to stall, you have to posture up or advance. So yeah, then because then if, if if it's rising rules and then you have like Dan Murviata, Mario, uh, 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 Mario Yamazaki, and these other uh, Mike Beltran, th- I don't know if they're used to rising rules. So is is this going to be another conflict or you know I'm that I'm interested to know if you know if they have the Japanese referees then yeah it'll have no it'll be no problem or Jason Herzog who's you know also wrestling in Japan. Um, I wonder all well you know also if they're having Frank Trigg. Uh, do commentary. He also have a, he has a referee's license as well. You think that maybe they would use Frank Trigg for the Bellator Japan show since he'll be already there? That would be a great idea. That would be a great idea because he knows the rules. He's not Joe Warren, you know, where he's like, how are you on the mic? What yeah. are you talking about? He won that round. Stop your noise. You know, I mean, Trigg knows the deal. So that would be a great, that's a, you should actually tweet that to Bellator because that's a great idea. I don't know who... T- or Missouli. I doubt Missouli's on Twitter, but, uh, <laughs> you know, whoever makes that call, that's a good call. Yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's like, and, you know, what, you know, it's, so it's just, I mean, they do say rise in MMA rules, so I can only assume by that they probably would go up the rise in referees, but maybe for the main card, that's when they'll use, like, the regular referees that the, uh, uh Mohegan Sun Commission, um, delineates. And all that stuff. That's at least my theory, anyway. Um, oh, it's, a good, it's a good idea. I don't think we'll be seeing Big Dan because MVP's on the card, and I think they're just gonna keep them apart, even though they've made up. Mm-hmm. I think they're just like, you know, so maybe maybe they'll have someone different. But um, Big John, I, I like seeing him in Ryzen, um, even though it may not be his favorite rule set, but he was good. I, but you well, know, actually, Big John McCarthy refer 
read the first couple of Ryzen fight cards. Yeah, man, there's that great picture of him with Gabby, you know, and she's bigger than him. <laughs> she's bigger than Big John. I love that. I want to see, man, I wanted to see Gabby on, on uh, I don't know if there's anything announced for her, but I'm dying to see her fight. I, I hate that well, she's not been yeah, busy and they're trying to have her go to light headweight. Like, she's a heavyweight. Find I, some find some big women. I can, do it openly. I'm going to tell you this right now, Latif. She's actually working on a movie in New York City uh, with Halle Berry. Oh, so. great. That's great. She's doing the movie with Halle. I just want to see her fight, man. Why waste her prime? And listen, I, dangerous I wouldn't be... You know, I know that Julia Budd said she'll fight Gabby. Gabby said she'll fight Julia Budd. You know, it's possible that they would have uh, had something, but you know, I'm pretty sure when they, when when the Halle Berry said, "Hey, you want to be my movie?" She's like, "Hell yeah!" And she's like, "Yeah, I mean, if Halle Berry asked you to be in her movie. Would you, who would who would say no to that?" Yeah, only someone who's like had that social anxiety because anyone else would be like, "Please let me be in a Halle Berry movie." What the hell? Put that on a resume. Uh, yeah, either in a sex scene or, or a fight scene, to be honest. <laughs> ten time, that's our new, that should be a new Twitter bar. You know, like ten-time BJJ world champ, four-time uh, Abu Dhabi champ, was in a movie with Halle Berry. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but all jokes aside, you want to move on to the art ball of this fight card? Actually, yeah, because I'm, I'm realizing how long this is projecting to take. I'm going to run out of time. I'm scared I'm not going to get to the meat. Oh, no, well, yeah, well, Christian, let's go on to this uh, this, this uh, oddball fight. Uh, that's the best way to put it. Okay, this fight's going to take place at, four, at 68 kilograms or 149.9 pounds. It is a kickboxing bout that will take place inside the Bellator cage between Takahiro Ahira and Ren... Hiromoto. First of all, for Ren Hiromoto, he's 21 years old, born June the 27th, 1998. He's 5 feet 8 inches tall, weighs in at 143 and a third pounds. He holds a kickboxing record of 10 wins and 4 losses, with 5 of those 10 wins via knockouts. He is the 2014 K1 Koshien champion, which is high school fighters. He holds the distinction of being the 2016 Crush 63-kilogram tournament hey, runner-up. Hey, Gary. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm, to interrupt. Hey, i got to duck out for a second. Just carry on, okay? Okay. All right, brother. Still, Hiromoto is the 2016 Crush 63-kilogram tournament runner-up, the 2017 K1 World Grand Prix lightweight tournament runner-up, and holds the distinction of having the 2018 Combat Press Knockout of the Year when he KO'd Kyle Wunashprit at K1 World Grand Prix Japan 2018 K-Festa 1 in the same building, the Saitama Super Arena, back on March 21, 2018. Now, his opponent, Ashida, up next on this fight card, especially on the post-limb fights, it's going to be a pretty odd sight to see. Keep boxing in a cage, and I want to get your thoughts on it and a little bit, Andrew. But first, we're going to talk about the participants. Sprint Hiromoto 
versus Takahiro Ashida. Rinhiro Moto, 21 years old, born June 27, 1998. He's the one with the actual kickboxing experience. At 5 feet 8 inches tall, he weighs in at 143 and a third pounds and represents Team Pegasus. He fights out of, uh, let's just say, he fights out of Tokyo, Japan. Representing Team Pegasus. He is an orthodox style fighter who's well balanced in kickboxing and karate. He is 10 and 0. Well, he is 10 and 4 overall, with half of his wins by way of knockout. He is the 2014 K1 Koshien champion, the 2016 K1 Crush 63 kilogram tournament runner up, the 2017 K1 World Grand Prix lightweight tournament runner up. And holds the distinction from CombatPress.com with the upset of the year in 2018, knocking out Kyle at K Festa 1 in the same arena he'll be making his kickboxing return in. But that fight was back on March 21st, 2018. His opponent, on the other hand, Takahiro Ashida, is a man who hasn't fought a kickboxing bout at all but has plenty mixed martial arts experience. He holds a record of 23-10-2 overall in mixed martial arts competition. He's 5 feet 8 inches tall, weighs in at 146 pounds. He is 30 years of age. Born August the 29th, 1989 in Koshigaya, Saitama, Japan. So he's coming in with the home prefecture advantage. He represents Brave Jim and fights out of Misato, Tokyo, Japan. At least, yeah, no, wait, actually, he fights out of Misato, Saitama, Japan. See, I'm getting my damn prefecture stuff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but still, he currently rides a two-fight winning streak in mixed martial arts, defeating Isao Sakiyama for a brave fight slash Grachan, and most recently defeating Tatsuna Magakula, at deep 90-second impact back on October the 22nd. He is also the former deep featherweight champion, as well as a veteran of Pacific Extreme Combat, Rings the Outsider, Barzalette Fighting slash Real FC, Zest, a.k.a. ZST, Rebel FC, Grand Slam, and... Brave Jim fights. So yeah, that's a whole mouthful to basically say. And since obviously, since obviously rise, I mean, since obviously this fight's not available through the listings on Tapology, we just have to go with what we know. Kickboxing in a cage. How weird of this do you think it is? And do you see Ren Hiromoto getting kind of an advantage because he's going to have that opportunity to, you know, beat a higher-named opponent in Takahiro Ashida, or will the cage be too much for the 21-year-old Ren? So we got to clarify. This is going to be a kickboxing match. I'm guessing with kick, rising kickboxing rules. That's the, uh, they, they go by the Oriental style with no elbows allowed. And 
is going to be in a Bellator cage. With that said, I'm just going to read a, a little bit of what Ryzen uh, English uh, posted. Kickboxing Sensation will be making, uh, they talk about Ren Hiromoto, will be making his first appearance after two years in the Bellator Japan post-swims against MMA veteran Takahiro Ashida under kickboxing rules. Hiromoto will have a tough comeback fight in the cage against an unorthodox MMA fighter, a fight not to miss. So, Hiromoto had some sort of injury, if I'm correct, right? Which is why he had such a uh, two-year layoff, of, I believe, right? I guess so. I mean, I wouldn't have been... I mean, I don't really follow kickboxing all that much, especially not the modern K1, but I have to think that was probably the reason why he's been out for a little bit. Yeah, I'm just also going to uh, read what... Uh... What he what he said. Uh, just give me a second uh, to get up what he said. Uh, Ren Hiromoto and uh, Aishida. Uh, where is that? Uh, ah, here it is. Uh, ah, okay. So um, so K1 kickbox. Uh, 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 Takahiro Aishida, the featherweight champion. Um, current deep featherweight champion, actually. Um, uh, uh, Ashida, this is what he said. This will be my first fight in Rise, and I'll be fighting under kickboxing rules. My opponent was missing for almost two years, and finally he shows up and has turned into a punk. I would like to use my striking to knock him out. Hiromoto says, my name is Ren Hiromoto from K1. This will be my first time in Rise, I'm grateful to my opponent that he'll be fighting me under kickboxing rules. Ashida said he will knock me out, so I'd like to do the same to him. Um... I mean, Mike Tyson said it best, you know, why why he would get his ass kicked in an MMA fight. Because it's just, that's not what I'm trained in, you know. Um, Ashida, obviously deep featherweight champion, great MMA fighter, but this is a kickboxing match. By all accounts, Ren Hiromoto should win this. And, like, yeah, I think Ren Hiromoto wins this easily. Like, no question. I'm not too familiar with Hiromoto's boxing, kickboxing background, but... You tell me a kickboxing fighter is fighting an MMA fighter in a kickboxing match, I'm going to pick the kickboxing, kickboxer, like, maybe like 9 out of 10 times. What about you, Christian? Hey, I got no problem saying that. I mean, I got no problem with you saying that. I think it's going to be pretty crazy to see the kickboxing inside the Bellator cage, but considering all the deep shows that have taken place recently, as well as what 1FC has done with having kickboxing and Muay Thai in the cage, especially Muay Thai and four-ounce gloves, you know, this has been done before. It's not anything new, but it is pretty weird to see it happen. Therefore, I think while it may confuse Ren Hiromoto a bit because he's more used to fighting in a ring, I think he'll get used to it because... The only thing that you'll be using is your hands and your knees and your feet, obviously. But no. still, it's going to be a pretty fun fight. Question, though. Be... Question, Christian, though. Like, and I'm really, I really want to hear your answer on this. Does this you, we said this is the about fight. Do you think this fight is, like, shouldn't this, I would figure this should be on the Ryzen card rather than the Bellator card. It seems like such an odd fight to have in the Bellator card. Even if it's Bellator powered by Ryzen or whatever they, whatever they call this section. 
don't know. It just seems like it just stands out as like the match is like okay. So you have all these these MMA matches. Oh, here's a kickboxing match. I, don't I think that it's pretty odd of them to think that way, especially considering the fact they got their own kickboxing promotion to deal with. That's the thing is that like you know Bellator, you know Bellator kickboxing. Why um they have their own roster. Um and all that stuff for that uh thing. Why not uh, why not bring those? Why not bring in one of those um, those kickboxers, like Kevin Ross or I know he just fought recently in Bellator. I know I I believe he, he lost in that match, but like you know they they tried to book Kevin Ross originally uh in Japan this year. Why not try it again? It just seems like such an odd. It just it just stands out as like head scratching. Um, just to, uh, well, just to give some, a little bit of background, a little bit more background around as well, Hiromoto's finishing rate is 50, 50%, um, as you said, 10 wins, 5 KOs, 5 decisions, 4 losses, with Takahiro Ishida, finishing rate at 50% as well, with, uh, uh, and then these are MMA, uh, his MMA record, which really has no standings, kickboxing, 22 wins, 10 losses, 2 draws, 8 KOs, 3 subs, 11 decisions, I mean, yeah, Ren Hiromoto has to win this, even though he has an ug- even though he has an ugly tattoo on his chest. It has to be like he just has to win this. And no, I don't think he'll be fighting tension as well. So I know there's gonna be some people who are gonna you know probably who will see if he wins. They're like, oh, he should fight tension. Let's not talk about that at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's that's neither here nor there for right now. Let's just forget that's even talked about. <laughs> exactly. Um, we'll ask T, you know, his thoughts, you know, if he has any uh, on this fight, uh, on this, when, when he comes back, but let's, uh, let's talk about the next fight, Christian, which is, I think, a much more, less oddball fight, uh, on this. Oh, yeah, exactly, and considering the fact that I just talked to one of these ladies yesterday, as of the time of this recording, you know, this fight's gonna be pretty fun to, to talk about, let least alone check out. Jamie Adam Bomb Henshaw, the current king of the cage women's animweight world champion versus the 2017 Rising Super Animweight Grand Prix winner, Kana Asakura. First of all, the particulars for both of these ladies, if I'm trying to search for these, and oh, by the way, just a little reminder, it's not even listed on the tapology. It's not even, this fight's not even listed on Tapology. That's how fucked up that is. I know. We were talking, Teep and I were talking about the Tapology thing being outdated. We are actually really surprised about that. But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. um, Wikipedia is, is much more accurate. Surprisingly. Exactly. And speaking of, here are some accurate stats. Kana Sakura, native of the Chiba Prefecture, fighting out of Kashiwa, Chiba, Japan, representing for Rusta Matsudo in the styles of wrestling and jiu-jitsu. <clears throat> she is 22 years old, born October the 12th, 1997. She's 5 feet 2 inches tall, weighs in at 104.9 pounds. She is currently riding a rising record of, let's see... She fought three times. I mean, she fought two times. Rising, do, 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 do. 
Sorry, kind of doing this on the fly. Most recently, yeah, most recently fought uh, Azakura fought Alicia Zabatella uh, in a decision mm-hmm. that you thought that Zabatella won, but you know I think it was a split decision uh, win for uh, kind of Azakura. Oh yeah, exactly. Of course, because when it comes down to when it came down to that fight, that was all types of crazy. Yeah, but all- I really did thought that Zabatella won that fight. Former, you no know, doubt about that shit. Former uh, Super Adam Weight Ryzen champion defeated by Ayaka Hamazaki. Uh, well, actually, no. She's not the former Super Adam Weight champion. Yes. She's the first Grand Prix winner. Yes. Who vied for her title. Yes, exactly. Sorry, stand corrected. Um, but, but yeah, Kana Azakura, you know, one of the... Uh, she has uh, two losses. Three, uh, no, three losses in Ryzen. Uh, one to Alyssa. She's seven. Yeah, she's eight and three overall in the Ryzen ring. She lost to Elisa Tiny Tim Garcia at Ryzen Fighting World Grand Prix. Well, at the Ryzen 2016. Yep. Well, that, at the Ryzen 2016 year-end shows. That was her debut. Then... She lost to Ayaka Hamasaki on New Year's Eve last year, losing to her via armbar, which Hamasaki became the first ever Ryzen Women's Animate World Champion off of. And, of course, back on June 2nd, she lost to Miyu Yamamoto via decision. And what were your thoughts about this fight when you originally checked it out? Um... With him, uh, which which fight are we talking about? Sorry, the Yamamoto fight. Oh, I knew that happened back in June. I knew that Miyu Yamamoto was gonna win this easily. Uh, I remember. I think I I, I picked Miyu uh, uh, Yamamoto to win. I uh, and I think I, we had. Uh, I think I believe it was um, Dylan from the um, from the Eastern Larry podcast. Uh, I think you picked Kana. I believe um, based on um, uh, her much more. Game a much more better submission game, but uh, Miyu out wrestled and out grappled. Um, I see, I see, and I felt like an idiot for picking that. Nah, nah, nah. It happens. It happens. But yeah, Kanazakura has a has a storied history in JMMA and in Ryzen, uh, and with Deep Jewels and and all that crowd. You want to talk about Jamie Henshaw, who you just talked to recently? Mm-hmm. She's 5 feet 2 inches tall, 114 pounds. She is 30 years old, born October the 16th, 1989, and represents the fit HB camp under Tom Vaughn, Arlene Sanchez, Sandro Ocoa, and Jonathan Judy in Albuquerque, New Mexico, USA, of which they have a pretty weird cast of characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But still, point of the matter is, aside from her amateur career, which she had a 3-1 record in the amateur circuit, going three straight submission wins inside the King of the Cage deal before losing her one and only decision loss to Lindsey Williams at RFA 32 in an amateur bout, she's fought... All of her professional bouts, all eight of them, well, actually, all seven of them, inside the King of the Cage steel. 
where she is the current King of the Cage anime champion, but she lost to Alicia Zapatella, who fought in Rising, or she lost to Cassie Robb via knockout, who fought in Rising before, and she lost to a person we mentioned earlier on in this podcast by Kill Her B. Nguyen, who's fighting in 1FC. But she's also avenged, well, actually, she's finished Melissa Sophia Carigiana through again. Also fought in Rising before, twice, both via rear naked choke. In addition to avenging the buy the win loss and defeating Kelly Villarino, of which, when I talked to her yesterday, she said that when it came to the Villarino fight, Villarino was talking all types of shit, saying, oh, she's nothing more but an idiot. She'll lose this fight easily. And then, she dominated her. <laughs> Hard to believe, but still, point of the matter is, She's basically a single mother. Well, actually, she's not a single mother. She's married, first of all. She's going to come in older than her, obviously, with the fact that she is about 12 years older than her. And even though she hasn't fought since since July 21st, 2018, when she defeated Bai Nguyen via rear naked choke... He's coming into this fight on a three-fight winning streak with two of those three wins via rear naked choke submission. So, in this battle of age versus experience, in which case Kana has a lot of, who do you think will win this fight? So, I'm just going to give a little background on both as well. Uh, this is what Rising FF English says. Kana Azakura is coming off, of, off a hard-fought decision win over Elisa Zabatella. Um, they say Alicia. It's Alicia, not Alyssa, right? Alicia, yeah. Okay, Alicia. They, they misspelled her name. They put Ali Alyssa Zapatella, <laughs> which regained her confidence. She takes on a tough opponent, Jamie Henshaw, in the Bellator cage. Henshaw has great striking, which can offset Azakura's wrestling. Look to see who controls the pace. Azakura is classified as a grappler, with Henshaw as an all-rounder. Uh, finishing rate for Azakura is 33%. While Henshaw has a 75% finishing rate. Um, yeah, so, that's going to be a tough fight for Kana because of the fact that, yeah, she so, has more wins, she has more experience compared to her much older opponent, but she's going to have a tough time trying to finish her off, especially when Jamie has a better finishing ratio. Oh, uh, yeah, um... It, 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 so, so far, Con, how many people has Conor Azakura fought that have been in uh, Candy Cage? Well, obviously, Alicia Zabatella, um, Melissa Karajanis, um Trying to think who else was... Um, did Azakura fight her? I don't think, think Azakura fought her. No, Azakura didn't fight her. Miyu Yamamoto did. So, you know, if... if, uh, if if Kana Azakura wins this fight, she might be known as a king of the cage killer at this point. Um, but yeah, you know, I, you know, I talked to Chinshaw today. She's got a great head on her shoulders. King of the cage, Adam Weight champion. Um, she says that she's very tough and that she's, you know, she's she wants to fight in the with the rise and rule set because that's very much like a street fight, which is what she used to get into a lot. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, I admire, I, I admire her spunk, as they say. But I think Kanazakura is going to, once again, have another win from a Kane the Cage fighter in this. Um, I, I probably just see uh, Kanazakura going, you know, just just controlling all three rounds in this match. Um, what say you, Christian? Well, to be quite honest, when it comes to Jamie Henshaw, she said to me yesterday that she's not in this for the fame. She's not in this for the money. She's just in this because she loves fighting and it gets her off the streets. Yeah. But in a way, I mean, yeah, Henshaw has a higher finishing ratio compared to Asakura, who's measly at 33%, but you have to think. Not that many people know much about Henshaw, and she has a lower record compared to Asakura, who has just, like, twice as many fights compared to her. But still... I think this fight probably might be, I mean, I think this fight might be exciting just as long as Henshaw doesn't screw up. With that in mind, I think that Henshaw, if she's not, I think Henshaw, if she's careful, she might win this via finish. Ah, bold pick, I must say. Bold pick. Uh, Probably, you know, if there was a, 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 a tapology uh, percentage. I'm gonna guess probably they would pick Kana. I I have to assume. Um, well, probably be overwhelming if they put that fight listing down on the page for Bellator two thirty seven. But I just have to, you know you know I have to go with Kana. You know even though the least Zabatella fight was very close, uh, she still came away with a win and. Um, it's, if you want to do MMA math, you know, Alicia Zabatella beat, uh, beat, uh, Henshaw, uh, Kana beat Zabatella, MMA math would, would assume that Kana will beat Henshaw in that case. Understood, understood, but still, somebody's going to get finished, and it's probably, I mean, if Henshaw's not careful, it might be her. I wonder if the uh, you know I wonder if the cage will have any effect also on Kana with the whole wrestling grappling thing. Considering that I don't know, she probably I don't know if she's ever fought in a cage before, but she certainly hasn't done it in deep rules. Well, she has fought in a cage before. She's fought recently for deep. Oh, okay, but deep no, uh, she fought in deep or deep jewels. Mm, let me check. Because deep jewels, deep jewels, I believe, still uses a ring. Deep, I don't think. Most times they use a ring, but when it comes down to the double bill events where they have white cards running concurrently with deep, I mean with deep FC, <coughs> they do have fights in the deep cage. Gotcha. And speaking of which, yeah, you're right. She's fought in a ring for deep jewel. I mean. There have been times, yeah, where she's fought in the ring and in the cage for these jewels, but I think mostly she's fought in the ring for them. She hasn't fought in the cage, however, since Deep Jewels 13 and Deep Impact 77 and most of her career outside of Ryzen and Deep, where she's fought three times for Valley Tudo Japan and once in Bankrace and once in Shudo. Gotcha, gotcha. 
I still gotta go with uh, Khan in this case. Just like just a better all I well, I think is a better overall fighter. Um Yeah, that's all I gotta say about this fight. I'm just doing that guess we'll have to oh. oh What's up, fellas? Hey, I'm sorry about that. I'm really sorry. It's okay. We were just talking about the Kana Asakura versus Jamie Henshaw fight, and previous to that, we were talking about Ren Hiromoto versus Takahiro Ashida kickboxing in a cage. Do you have any? Yeah, I have no opinion on the kickboxing. You only did two fights in that time. You guys, I love you guys. <laughs> That's the detail right there. Do you have any uh, thoughts on the Kana Henshaw match, uh, Teep? Kana. Kana Asakura. Um, I'm leaning. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm still very hopeful where she'll end up before it's all over. But I'm not a strong feeling. You can just, but like, like you said, I got to pick someone. I'm picking Connor. Let's keep it moving. Oh, in the kickboxing bout, if I have to make a pick, I'll pick the guy who just won the K1 thing. Just generically. I know nothing. I know absolutely nothing. I couldn't even tell you what his name was right now. That's fine. That's fine. I already forgot. So with that, Christian, let's move on to this to the next bout. Uh yeah, let's go ahead and move on to what would basically share co curtain jerker. Well, actually, let's basically move on to a fight that would share co curtain jerker status on the postlim card. <laughs> That's about between. The older brother of Vitaly Shimatov, Sergei Shimatov, versus a man who pretty much has a fetish for coming out to Jackie Chan music, <laughs> Shoma Shibisai. <laughs> I mean, if you check out the entrance team threads or one of the entrance team threads I had, you would see that Shoma Shibisai came out to a Jackie Chan song. <laughs> I'm telling you. But, you know. Sergei Siberian Shimatov, 9 and 6 overall in professional MMA, has not fought since December 30th, 2015. Mm. He's 6 feet. Yeah, I know. He's 6 feet 1 inch tall, weighs 232.6 pounds. With a 78.6 inch reach. Actually, a 76.8 inch reach. Born December 14, 1983. Happy birthday as of yesterday. He is 36 years old. He represents the Shimbros Academy alongside his brother Vitaly under the styles of Muay Thai Russian Sambo. Fights out of Omsk, Russia. He also fights out of the Rufus Sport MMA Academy in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, USA. This will be his first Japanese MMA bout since losing to Ryuta Nochi at Mars Reality Super Fighting 5, marching on back on October 28, 2006. However, he's fought names such as Gilbert Yeibel and Jeff the Snowman Monson and Marcin Rosalski. But other than that, he's riding a five-fight winning streak into this bout. Four of those wins via knockout, one via omoplata triangle choke. 
So you have to think that even though he is, you have to think that even though he hasn't fought in about four years, he's still a pretty hot commodity when it comes down to kicking ass. <laughs> in the meantime, his opponent, Shoma Shibisai, and hold on, I'm getting the particulars on him. Just give me a second. Ah, here it goes. He's five and two overall. He's six feet three inches tall. Weighs in at 232. Well, 230.2 pounds. He is 28 years old. Born March the 11th, 1991. Representing the Honey Trap and fighting out of Chiba, Japan. He holds a rising record of one win and one loss, losing in the single worst fight in Rising Fight in Federation history to Emergical Bow Program at Rising 11 via decision, and then submitting Shang He Kim at Rising 19 in 69 seconds flat. That was legit, your, you think, the worst in. Yeah. You know which one pressure I saw? Perudo. Uh, Perudo dropping his weight on, on Peter Hurts. That hurt me. It hurt. That was excruciating. I'm not saying it was bad. So I was like, yeah, that's kind of what he needed to do. Not get his ass kicked, but that crushed my soul a little bit. Krokop avenged him. Krokop avenged him for the K1. He was like, oh, yeah? How about a knee in that big old midsection of yours? That was a great moment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But go, that go was back to Shiba Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Because I'm, I'm going to go on a cop tangent if, you know, if you don't stop. Understood, understood. But going back to Shoma Shibisai, he's currently 1-1 one and one in Rising Rules, which this fight will be under. And he is a veteran of Ganryujima, mo-fighting, if you will. So... <laughs> He's got a lot to move around, and he's also fought a hell of a lot more recently in both Ryzen rules and Ganryujima rules than Shimatov, who will be coming off of a four-year layoff. And if the Tapology faithful were to put this fight on their stupid little listings, you know, there would be overwhelming support for Sergei, like, 88% to 12% or something, but how do you guys see this fight playing out? I think I'm going to get, I think a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this, but I think Shimatov, I don't know. And the ring rust hopefully won't get to him, but if he doesn't finish him up, I can definitely see Shibi Shy winning this one. Well, who do you pick, Christian? Pick. Yeah. Gun to your head. That wasn't a pick. That was some bullshit. What's your pick, man? I'm going to go ahead and say she beside wins. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Let me just read off a little bit of what uh, Ryzen wrote. Japanese heavyweight ace Shoma Shibisai will be taking on the big brother of the Shematov brothers. Sergei brings a world-class kickboxing style with a solid ground game. Shibisai will have to clinch up the fight the fight uh, will have to clinch up the fight the fight he wants. Sergei will have the advantage on their feet. Both are classified as strikers. Um, surprisingly, uh, yeah, I'm surprised uh, Shemitov looked like he would be heavier, but apparently um, it looks like uh, 
Shibisai might be actually heavier than, uh, uh, slightly heavier than uh, Shibisai. Oh, no, Shemitov, I, I meant to say. But we'll have to see on the, on the day of. They both have a, a finishing rate of 100%. With Shibisai with three KOs, two subs. Shemitov, seven KOs, one sub. And I gotta read what, what, what they both said when the fight was announced. Shibisai said the only thing he's focused on is to make everybody watching thinking that he's going to be the next Japanese heavyweight star. He's going to put his best efforts on a great performance and win in an impressive way. Now, listen to what Sergei Shemitov has to say. This is absolutely insane. Ryzen is a real factory of dreams. Both brothers at the same arena. Ah, that's fantastic. What if once were to, were they, uh, they were to arrange an event involving all brothers and maybe sisters as well from different weight divisions? MMA World knows a lot of prominent brothers. Emelianko brothers. I don't think you want to be mentioning uh, Fedor's brother uh, at this point, but still. D Diaz brothers. D Diaz brothers. Well, it's Emelianko. <laughs> no way. I don't watch his fights, and I'm not going to watch anyone who books him. But he's Russian, right. so, you know, I guess, I guess we'll get away with that. Diaz brothers. Azakura brothers. Overeem brothers. Nogueira brothers. And now Shemitov brothers will show their best. I wish my younger brother Vitaly to find... Finally, his love in New Year's. I wish to all hardworking people in Japan to get a lot of happiness in New Year. Truly to say, I feel myself as Big Red Man from a snowy cold land, like a Santa. <laughs> it is New Year's Eve. It is Japan. It is rising. We believe in miracles. Do you? I love those guys. Those, those guys have, have promoted rising pound for pound harder than any other athlete, on Twitter at least. They're 100%. They'd be like exploding up out of a snowdrift with a with a with a the rising sun headband and eating snow and doing butterfly stroke in the snow, talking, yelling, rising into the air. These yeah. guys are classics. I pick in both of them to win for no one, no other reason than loyalty and their exuberance at being on this big card. They're gonna, or you know, one of the card, one of the big cards. You know, it's gonna come through. I have no no sort of like sporting reason to think so with the long layoff, but I think he's going to come in and just stomp ass. I hope so. You know? I hope so, Teep. I'm going to agree with you. You know, I think it's fair to say Shibisai might be the better fighter, but this is a case of like, I want to go with my heart rather than the technical aspect. It's kind of like, it's like whenever, um, I'm trying to think, who would be a great comparison uh, to think of as a fighter? It's, I guess maybe, you know, I guess it could be kind of like, um, well, I'm trying to think of like a recent fight where some where people were trying to pick somebody who was like maybe like an underdog or you know was Derek Campos. Derek Campos was not supposed to win his. He definitely wasn't supposed to win via wrestling, too. But like he wasn't supposed to win that opening round Grand Prix fight. Yeah, he's exciting, but he's not known for like maybe in his career he has, but lately he's been in some of the best bang fests. Bellator put on the, the series with Gertz is like some of my favorite shit. It really is. I got you. Uh, Campos Gertz three was fucking madness, but um, he you know but he did win. You know it's like he was a big he, he was probably a big underdog. I don't know about betting odds because, but uh, you know that fight with McKee that is my jam for this weekend. That is my fight. I think uh, I think you know, I I but yeah you know I'm gonna you know. I, you know, it would be great if both Shemitov brothers won their fights, you know, within days of each other. 
I hope, you know, Sergey with the long layoff, you know, I hope he comes out with a crazy entrance. I don't know, like you said, like, we, like, we don't know if Bellator or Ryan's going to be dictating any of that stuff. You know what? I want to see Sergey come away with a win this, you know. I'm happy that she besides kind of going on a little wing streak as a heavyweight star in Japan. But, you know, I would, I, you know, it's kind of, it's, and we'll be talking about MVP in a while. It's kind of like, I, 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 they, they understand the entertainment aspect of the fight game. And I think the Shemitov brothers do it so well. And where I'm so excited to see them. And in this case, you know, the, uh, the one who hasn't fought in Rising yet, I, I'm, I'm excited to see his fight based on just his energy and just what they're doing on the social media sphere. I gotta go with Sergey, man. I, I hope Sergey comes away with a, with a win in this. Understood, understood. So I guess that leaves me being the odd man out. Yeah, um, well, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, you're going to be the odd man out, Christian. <laughs> Sorry. Right, 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 right. With that in mind, let's go to the final bout of our post-limb review, which would be the first fight to kick off the post-liminary card. And that is Yusaku Nakamura versus Makoto Shinryu Takahashi at a contracted weight of 130 pounds or 58 kilos. First of all, the particulars for Yusaku Nakamura, the current, or I guess, in a way, former deep featherweight champion. No way, actually... The current, no way, shit. I'm sorry, I'm having a brain fart here. He's not the current deep flyweight champion. He's the WSOF Global Championship flyweight champion. But still, Yusaku Nakamura. He is 16-6-1, the WSOF Global Championship flyweight champion. He's 5'5", 124.6 pounds. Age 33, born June the 21st, 1986 in Osaka, Japan, representing Team Alpha Male Japan under the tutelage of Uriah Faber and Tetsuji Hashiguchi and fighting out of Moniguchi, Osaka, Japan. So he probably also gets his training from Teruto Yashabo Ichihara who is currently retired. He is 1-0 inside the rising ring as a mixed martial artist. 1-1 overall if you count his kickboxing loss to Tenshin Natsuka. Actually, no. He's 1-2 overall in the rising ring. 1-1 one one as the mixed martial artist, losing to Manel Cape and defeating Tanong Saklek Topnoi Tiger Muay Thai. But other than that... He is a former, or I guess current, depending on your stance on the WSOF Global Championship events, WSOF GC Flyweight Champion, who also has experience fighting for Tribe Tokyo Fight and Valley Tudo Japan, as well as he also fought in Dream before, knocking out Asushi Yamamoto. At Dream Fight for Japan, May 29, 2011. 
So this won't be his first time getting his name called over the loudspeakers by one Lenny Hart. Now for his opponent, Makoto Shinryu Takahashi, who is all who is all of 18 years old, if I'm not mistaken. No, wait, actually, he's 19. Born July 5th, the year 2000. He's 5'4", 124.8 pounds. He represents Paresta Matsuda in Chiba, Japan. And he has a mixed martial arts record of 9, 1, and 1. And he is the current interim deep flyweight champion of which he recently defeated Yuya Shibata for a deep 90th impact back on June the 29th. He also fought he also fought former UFC fighter, now current deep fighter, Naoki Inoue, in a grappling match at Deep Future King 2016 back on February the 12th, 2017. But Still, point of the matter is, this is a fight that would be best suited for the cage of deep fighting championships. Who do you think will probably win this fight? Will it be the young prospect who was literally <clears throat> born in the golden era of the pride fighting championships? Or the fighter who basically got his ass handed to him by Manel Cape, but then took it out on top in the way? Before we go into that, just you know, a little bit of a little bit more background from Ryzen FF English. Nineteen-year-old prospect Makoto Takahashi, also known as Makoto Shinryu, uh, and veteran striker Yusuku Nakamura will be fighting under unified MMA rules. Nakamura looks to spoil the prospect's major league debut and keep his presence known to the fans. Can Takahashi live up to the hype and take Nakamura out? Uh, and they classify Nakamura as a striker, Shinryu as an all-rounder. Nakamura with a finishing rate of 50% with 8 KOs, uh, 8 decisions. And Shinryu with a finishing rate of 0% with 8 wins all by decision. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Are you serious? All 8 of his wins are via decision? Well, actually, are all nine of his wins via decision? Uh, all eight of his wins are, are by decision. He's lost one match, and that was against Tatsumitsu Owada, who fights for um, one now, who recently just lost to um, uh, Demetrius Johnson. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's he, none of his fights have ever been finished. you got to be shitting me. <laughs> Um, other than that, you know, um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, hype around Shinryu. He's considered top prospect, like you said. Um, you know, here's the thing, I don't like Nakamura. I, that's a, the Top Noi fight was a horrible fight. Um, and it was, a, it was two, a, it was a bad fight between two people who didn't know how to fight. Um, and Nakamura potentially should have even lost that fight based on the fact that he got his teeth knocked out. And if you're going to judge by damage with rising rules, perhaps Topnoy should have, should have won that. Um, but nonetheless, um, sorry Christian, yeah, you're right, 9-1, not 8-1. I'm getting my math mixed up. Uh, I understood, 
Understood. Uh, but but yeah. in a way, you were about to say that... I mean, who are you picking? I'm going to pick Shinryu based on the fact that I think he's... I'm hoping he's a better fighter than Nakamura. And because I, I'm also not a fan of Nakamura, I don't... You know, if Takahashi... If Shinryu is going to... If he has nine wins all by decision, you know... I mean, you know, that doesn't tell me something that they're an exciting fighter, but they're telling me that they're a fighter who has a game plan who wins. Um, not so sure how he wins. I really haven't seen much of him, of his fights in full, just, you know, clips and highlights. What I hope is that, you know, maybe, you know, he'll realize that Ryzen, moral, I mean, okay, Bellator slash Ryzen demands finishes. So, you know, maybe he'll put it up, you know, maybe, you know, in Deep and Pancreas, you know, the finishes are not that important. It's just more about winning. But in Ryzen, it's more about getting that exciting finish. Hopefully he realizes that and uh, puts down Nakamura. But I'm going to pick Shinryu to win this. 19-year-old uh, prospect. Um, and uh, hopefully has a long career of Ryzen or maybe potentially Bellator. Teep, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm going with the prospect. That's all I'm going to say. Christian? And I guess this is going to probably be a unanimous decision, so I'll go ahead and say that the prospect Shinryu gets to win, but only because of the fact that it's weird that here we are, two decades now into basically Japanese MMA being talked about, and this is the first fighter from... This is going to be the first fighter fighting in the 2000s. I mean, this is going to be the first fighter fighting on one of these cards, either for both Bellator or Ryzen, that was born in the 2000s. Think about it. Uh, what about the, um, oh, I'm forgetting the kickboxer, the 16-year-old kickboxer uh, that they had. Um... Oh, right, right, right. Uchu Sakurai, that's yeah. right. Ucho Sakura. So, well, I guess it made this be the first MMA fighter who they'll have who was born post, uh, post Pride, post two thousands. Um, so you're yeah you're 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 perhaps not wrong about that, uh, Christian at all. I don't uh, exactly, but to be quite honest, he was only he's only gonna be the third mixed martial artist fighting under Ryzen rules. That was born after the launch of Pride FC, because you also got Kana Asakura and Tenshin Asakawa, who fought, I mean, who were obviously born after the launch of Pride, mm -hmm. and they're both going to be fighting on separate cards two weeks from now. Obviously, we just talked about Kana Asakura versus Jamie Henshaw, and Tenshin Asakawa got a kickboxing exhibition against Rui Ibata. Yeah. So actually, also just a little, I'm just gonna add something as well. Shinryu looks like he has trained or and or trains with Yuki Matoya as well. Mm. So, That's crazy. But still, I just want to say though, just oh, sorry, Christian. Last thing I'm gonna say uh, before uh, you um you have your say. Um, I hope this is not the last fight on the post limbs. I hope. You know this. I don't. I, uh, if anything, this should open the post limbs. You know, I don't. I hope this is not the final fight. You know, it'd be kind of like a. It'd be kind of like you know, if you know you're, you're getting a stripper kick for your birthday, and instead Betty White comes out of it naked. You know, I kind of want to see Sergey go on as like the main event on the post limbs, 
or maybe Kana or something. I is this? I don't think this is gonna. This should really be the. Is this really the best way to end a card? Well, from the Wikipedia standpoint, the main event is gonna be Yusuke Yachi versus Hiroto Uesaka, possibly. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I was reading uh, uh, as if the up, up, down. So it was going up first. The first one was the th bottom one, and then the last one. If they go that way, then yo, I'm fine with that. If Yusuke Yachi Uesaka was fine. Is the last match, you know, fine with that. So not my. I take that back. I take that back. Um, I'll I'll rant about it if if, if my worst case scenario happens. Um, mm -hmm. But with that, but Christian, still, we get what you mean. Yeah. When it comes to this particular fight, Yusaku versus Shinryu, you're hoping that it's not on last because it would basically be. Like a disappointment, not only a disappointment, but you would basically have like very few fans remaining in the building just to see this fight. Mm -hmm, it'd mm -hmm. basically be like fighting in front of your family and friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about the thought? What about it being a catch weight? Good, good move or bad move? What do you think? It's a good move because I think when it comes down to this, I mean, Makoto, as young as he is, he probably fights flyweight, maybe strawweight, and Yusaku is obviously a flyweight, so it would make sense for these two to fight at 130 pounds. Gotcha, gotcha. 